and gentlemen. What's good, y'all? It's Andrew Benjamin, it's Chris Gary. You're tuned in to another edition of the We Are Rising Podcast. Your source for everything there is to talk about when it comes to the Rising Fighting Federation and Japanese combat sports from an English-speaking fight fan's perspective. You can follow us on Twitter at We Are Rising Pod and our respective personal Twitter handles at Avenger1, A-B-E-N-J-A-1, and at ChrisGary92. But we'll talk more about those later. The reason why we are here on this particular occasion is because, well, first of all, we haven't been... Well, actually, you, Andrew, you recently done a podcast. I mean, this would be your second podcast of 2020 for you doing this occasion. Because last time you did that, it was the Rising 23, it was the Rising 20 review, my apologies, where you were talking with Deep to the Junk. And obviously, I had to chime in via text because I was too sick to even talk. <laughs> oh, yeah, but uh, we still did have you by uh, by messenger, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty cool, but it was pretty exhilarating for me because I didn't get a chance to, you know, give you my true opinion about Horizon 20. I mean, obviously, yeah, I was... Okay, we're doing the podcast basically through Messenger, but you didn't really hear what I had to say. It's just that a damn forced throat caused me to not feel too well to talk. I mean, obviously I was sick for like two weeks between the holidays and the first weekend of the year. Well, you sound a lot better now, you know, you know and listen, you know, I get the same thing as well. Anytime, you know, December, January, I always get those calls. Man, we, we actually did an interview with, um, oh, I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, I think it was Damien Brown. Yeah, it was Damien Brown, where I had my cold, so I sounded like shit myself. So, yeah, you know, listen, it's that season. For, for, it's, season it's the season for that crap. Yeah, it is, and the winter solstice is kind of winding down, considering the fact that as of this record, it's February 3rd, we're near the end of winter. But that's not why the fuck we're here, okay? Nope. We're here to basically go through the state of the podcast. It's sort of like a State of the Union address, like what that orange jackass is doing. I think in a couple of nights, it's not like I give a shit about politics. I really don't care about that George jackass. But mm-hmm. still, it's like the State of the Union address, but it's for our podcast and for our overall standing of what we think of Japanese combat sports, especially when it comes to the Rise and Fighting Federation, which, for example, have you heard about the Rise and Fighting Federation events being taken down off the Fight TV app? Yes, um, and I did reach out to Fight TV. Uh, first, I uh, I reached out to them on social media, and then they told me to email them at the support, and then uh, they uh, corrected the issue. Um, and so my and, and I did check with Fight TV uh, that to make sure everything was uh, was that all the, those shows. So 
What 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 period of shows were not available, Christian? Again, if I remember correctly, it was it was the fall of twenty seventeen to the summer of twenty nineteen. So basically, from a standpoint, it was from Ryzen. I mean, from it was basically from the twenty seventeen Ryzen Autumn show. So basically, their first shows on that was that their first shows. I think that was their first shows on Fight TV. No, actually, that was their second show. Their first show on Fight TV was the Easter 2017 show. Ah, okay. But yeah, it was from the time of the Women's Animweight Grand Prix and the Bantamweight Grand Prix all the way up to. The midway point of last year, in which the shows were basically taken down. Okay. And I think I ordered like three of those shows through that time span. Okay. Um. So, I uh, oh yeah, like I said, I did reach out to, uh, Fight TV, and they corrected the issue, and everybody else seemed to have uh the issue taken care of as well. Uh, I was not told why what happened, but my guess probably, I'm going to guess, is that perhaps somebody. Now, not all Fight TV shows... Now, these Fight TV shows, Ryzen ones, have unlimited replays. Uh, so you can watch them anytime you want, all that, all that stuff. Um, so my guess is perhaps there may have been... Someone may have put a date on those, an expiration date. Like, like internally, they coded a, 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 an expiration date on those shows. Which is why... Because it's just... It's very weird, like, why a certain section, a segment of shows were taken down. Nothing from, like, the last few months, you know. Uh, so, like, Ryzen 20, 19, I think you said as well, was still available. Mm -hmm. So, my guess is probably that, that perhaps a, a expiration date had been coded into the data for those shows. And by accident, probably. Uh, and it, was, it seemed like a technical glitch oversight. But let this be a lesson to everybody, and I say all the fucking time because it gets me angry. This is why digital distribution should not be the sole way of things being distributed, whether they be movies, video games, sports, whatever. This is why physical media should never die. Because without physical media, there is no... You can. Uh, it, it is harder to archive things. It is harder to save things. A lot of these. I hope uh, you know. A lot of these shows. You know things that get. You know. If you know. If you know. If if uh, if CBS wants to just remove you know uh, Picard from their from their from their streaming service tomorrow, they can. And guess what? There is no other way you can legally watch it. It is not coming out on DVD. It is not being shown on CBS. Uh, it's not going to be shown on any Paramount networks, as far as I know. That once something is digital is taken away, it is gone forever. This is why, and this is why people got to stop supporting solely digital distribution of all of of, of all products. Um, but uh, Christian, I don't know what you if there's anything you want to say on this issue or this whole fight TV. I don't. It, I think it was. I really do think it was just an, an accidental oversight. I don't think it was anything on Ryzen or Fight TV, anything nefarious. But, uh, yeah, anything you want to say on this uh, whole thing? In a way, I guess it has something to do with getting your things from a free app. Because as we know, 
the Fight TV app, and we hate to basically do it like an advertisement, but the Fight TV app is basically a free application to get on your phone, or obviously you can sign up for a free account, fight.tv, but still, that's the thing about getting these free applications. You don't know what the hell to expect when you try and get these events, because as far as I know, for some people, the Fight TV experience probably might not be too good, because, you know, there are some issues where people have like sound quality, like what happened with the ACA show, well, ACB shows, they are now Absolute Championship Pokemon, and they have their own streaming service issues. But still, there's issue. there have been issues with promotions all around the world doing events live on Fight TV, be it free or behind a paywall. So maybe that could be the reason why digital distribution ain't really all that's cracked up to be but then again if you're gonna talk about fight tv you're also gonna have to talk about the zone you're gonna have to talk about esp plus which really who wants to waste five dollars behind that mm-hmm. and then you're gonna have to talk about you know that lone jake paul ksi youtube pay-per-view which all the matches probably got, I mean, which all the matches probably overwhelmed so well because people were pirating that shit that it went straight to YouTube for free afterwards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also, you know, it sucks because they're, you know, you pay for something, I expect to have it forever or for as long as I want to keep it. When you have digital distribution, you do not have that control. You are telling the copyright holder or the owner or the or the avenue for which you're watching that show, you are dictating how long I get to watch this show. And here's the thing, you know, it, it, say somebody wanted saw saw that Rise in Twenty show and they loved it. They're like, oh, you know, let me see some of Rise's other past shows. Guess what? If Ryzen or Fight TV decided to take those all those sh- those previous shows off, they can do that. And guess what? You'd be having to scour through YouTube. To find, like you, like individual fights, or you know, you have to go through other, shall we say, sail the high seas to find uh, some uh, of Ryzen shows. Kind of like what Ryzen pretty much did with EverSport. Exactly. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. Um. So it it that's why when people say digital distribution is the future, I say, hold on a minute, there, partner. Think about what you're saying. Um. And especially it sucks because, you know, you know, it, it, I, I'm pretty sure this, if I, I don't think, I'm pretty sure that I wasn't the only one who emailed Fight TV. And I would have, I think it would have been picked up anyway had it not been, um, I had not said anything, you know, you, uh, Focus Fights, uh, who you contribute to, tagged Fight mm-hmm. TV in, in the mess, in the post, uh, initially. So they, they got it. They, they knew. So I think it would have been fixed within a day, but nonetheless, you know, I know we've got people talking about, you know, is maybe Ryzen going on a different uh, platform? Are they doing uh, their own platform, maybe? Which I think actually is a good uh, segue uh, into another topic uh, I want to discuss with you. Uh, uh, and that's uh, Sakaki Bara saying that uh, regarding expansion in North America. And this is what was translated. 
we can thank uh, again Karev fan for the translation. Uh, he said so. Kakibara said he uh, he made it clear that he wants expansion in North America to be a priority for 2020. He says they will aim to expand pay per view and TV coverage in North America while doing an event there a few years later. Uh, they also he also said so Kakibara also said that they're going to try to capture Olympic athletes. The Olympics happening in Japan this summer this year. So I just want to ask you, Christian. Um, so now that we know that this whole thing uh, with with the Fight TV obviously doesn't seem to be a, a pay-per-view or expansion or anything, what do you foresee as Ryzen doing in 2020 to expand their the, more of a pay-per-view and TV coverage over here? Well, considering the fact that they have a partnership with Scott Coker at Bellator MMA and Bellator Kickboxing, I think it would be best for them to just stick to him. But considering the fact that now Bellator MMA is having to report to Stefan Espinosa of Showtime Sports, and if you're a combat sports fan, you know all about the history between him and MMA or even more recently, the history between him, Conor McGregor, and Floyd Mayweather. But still, considering the fact that Bellator has that history now where everything they do has to be reported to Stefan Espinosa, it's going to be really hard for Ryzen to try and make it out on their own with the streaming service. I mean... It's going to be really hard for them to try and even get coverage here in North America outside of us. Well, here's the thing. You remember that? Remember a few years ago, I think it was... I'm trying to remember which show it was. Um, Ryzen did a terrestrial pay-per-view uh, here for us uh, in North America. Oh, but it was like the main card portion. Um, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was the 2017 New Year's Eve card... And the 2018 Floyd versus... No, wait, actually, it wasn't Floyd versus Tension, obviously. It was 2017, dude. Yeah, it was, it was the show that had... Uh, I don't know why I remember this fight specifically, but it was the... It had the... I think it was the... I, was it? I think it was the, the finals of the women's uh, Atomweight tournament, I believe it was. Yeah, uh, it was the finals of the women's Atomweight and... Men's Bantamweight Grand Prix. Yes, that was it. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, they did do it on terrestrial pay-per-view um, for, I think it was $19, $20, um, and they ran it in HD and S in standard definition. Um, They haven't done it since. Uh, They have not done anything. They have been all solely through Fight TV. And remember the one time, the first Ryzen, or the first, remember the Breakfast with Fedor, was the had like it was like a highlight? Yeah, clip. it was the first two Ryzen events cut up for audiences in North America to watch throughout New Year's Eve. Now, one has that deal with with TNT where they're, they're the shows aren't shown in full, but they're kind of like, uh, what is it? They're kind of like uh, they're not even like highlights, but they're, they're highlights. Oh, they, they're highlights basically. Okay. Uh, I don't like highlight things, personally, because I like to see the full fights. You know, that's just me personally, though. Um, I don't know, could, 
I mean, here's the thing. Right now, it seems a talk between... I don't know if Bellator is going to even be on Paramount that much longer. I, Tip and I talked a little bit about it. He thinks that probably Bellator is going to, is going to become the zone exclusive at some point. And Either it's going to be the zone exclusive, or it's going to be on Showtime with help from the zone. Yeah. Or CBS. Yeah. So, but what, you know, the thing of Ryzen is that, I mean, obviously, the, the, if it, they want, they, if they wanted to expand, I don't know, I could not see Paramount or Showtime picking up Ryzen uh, at all. I mean, you know, I, the, the closest thing, you know, I know that, uh, I, I don't know, Anthem, uh, which recently bought Access TV, did away, I, did they show MMA anymore? I think they totally did away with the MMA, right? They, I mean, there was a fear that they have. But since they got Kombachi Americas on their roster and tried to make way with that one pay-per-view, which was an absolute shit show between Tito versus Tito Ortiz versus Alberto El Patron Del Rio Rodriguez, that's a fucking tongue twister. <laughs> I mean, but ever since they done that one pay-per-view, I guess they pretty much welcomed MMA back with open arms. Uh, well, I guess you know. It's entirely possible that they could bring Ryzen, you know, uh, in, a, in a one-hour, maybe two-hour format, or maybe just the main card for the for their show. But I don't, they don't, they they do not seem to be. I mean, they just, you know, that was a channel that had New Japan on access. They had New Japan uh, on, shows on their channel. They got rid of it. Um, so I don't know. Do they want to take one Japanese product and replace it with another? Seems like, I don't know, it doesn't seem like that's kind of what the direction they're going in. And I certainly, you know, I don't see any other major television stations want, you know, looking at Rise and be like, you know, this is what we need. Um, this isn't, you know, 2005, 6, 7, 8, you know, when every channel was trying to get some sort of MMA product. Uh, uh, exactly. Th th those days... I mean, especially if I remember correctly... There was a local television station in my market where I didn't even know that they were the first ones in the particular area that I'm in, the Houston, Galveston, Sugarland, Texas area, where they actually gave a damn about MMA just to put it on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, basically, uh, yeah, MMA is not, in the is not the same uh, stratosphere as it was then when you had, like, CBS or was it NBC? I can't remember... Uh, you know, having a, CBS. they had Elite, Elite XC, then you had Affliction, then you had um, it wasn't called Access at the time. Well, I don't think it was. It was still um. It was HD Net at the time. HD Net with you know having the Dream shows and the uh, Boss Rutin uh, uh MMA show. Um, inside MMA. Inside Boss Rutin and Kenny Rice. Yeah, Inside MMA, and then they had the Lion. You know, you had kickboxing as well later on with Lions fight. Um, I well, mean, actually. They had not only MMA with, you know, the regional promotions and obviously with Dreams and Goku, Shudo at one point in time, and Grace at one point in time, but they also had kickboxing with K1, like the FPG K1, and obviously later with Lion Fight, which is Muay Thai, but still, when it comes to 
I mean, you're right. No major television network here is going to want to deal with Verizon other than possibly, possibly Viacom CBS if, you know, Scott Coker plays his cards right. True, true. I mean, I guess the most, if, if you, when it comes to the Bellator connection, the only thing that, that probably Ryzen, if they want to get more eyes on them, is, is you know, just having the Ryzen fighters on their, um, on their, uh, on the Bellator shows. That's the only thing I could think of. I don't see, yeah, I don't see Paramount, you know, want adding any more MMA. They just seem to be sticking with Bellator at this point. Um... That's that just seems to be their their thing. If any, the only way that that if 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 rise the only way that Ryzen can quote expand pay per view and TV coverage, I guess you know we have to be going on the zone or you know, uh, heaven forbid the UFC fight pass. Um, no, 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 hell no. I and also, also actually you, you brought, I forgot I forgot as well. to these fucking Zufa zombies. But the UFC fight pass is the last place I would want to see Bryson on. So uh, as as well, um, um, I would also just like to say ESPN. I uh, you know even though ESPN is now in the the has to make content, um, phase, I don't see them picking up uh, uh, Ryzen at all. I I, I would not expect them at all to do that. So yeah, you know the the, the yeah, options are that's only because of the fact. That they already got two MMA products on their, I mean, basically on their radar. No, it actually, in their portfolio, they have the Pro Fighters League, the PFL, and they obviously have the UFC and all the fight night shows and pay-per-view distribution here in the States. Well, here's the thing as well. Um, yeah, we got, the other thing that holds Ryzen back is the fact that it's an overseas product. Runs on a different time, different style. The whole thing that ESPN and all these channels are obsessed with is live content, not pre-taped content. You're always hearing about, oh, live sports, live this, live that, whatever. And that's the one thing that Ryzen has a big disadvantage of, being on the other side of the world, that it is is that it is not it is not live and consumable, uh, 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 for on a reasonable level than like PFL or UFC shows. Even the UFC shows that are that are sometimes you know that are overseas in Europe or wherever you know they'll be on in the afternoon or something. I don't see Ryzen willing to start their shows later. To or, or I guess earlier to make to to make uh, American audiences happy. I don't see them doing that. They're not willing to get rid of intermissions at this point to to satisfy us. They're not willing to change the start the uh, when their uh, show starts. So that that's uh, they're at a business, that's that's a disadvantage that they're that, that they are at when it comes to being in the live content market. Um, right, right. As, Especially considering the fact that it's already hard enough for people just to, you know, stay up and watch the events. Oh, at exactly. One in the morning. Um, the what do you think about uh Sakaki Barson that saying that in a few years they're going to 
uh, do an event in North America. Where do you think they'll have it, and what do you? What do you? Is what do you, any early predictions of it? You know, I think he's basically putting the cart before the horse. Yes, <laughs> just like he did with Pride. At least Pride got to do some shows in America, though, before they uh, went under. Yeah, true. They had a couple of shows in America, in Las Vegas specifically. But I really hope that when it comes to, you know, and this could also go to 1FC as well, because they want to do a show in the States too, but not that many people outside the ones that watch them on TNT and those rebroadcasts or VR Live, you know, pony up the extra five bucks just to see them. You know, well, here's it's going to be hard for them to try and crack the U.S. market, especially with their respective rule sets. I you remember when Pride came over here in the States in 2006, they had to change their entire rule set up just to fit the Nevada State Athletic Commission's guidelines. Yes. Yes. Well, here's the thing as well. I think when it comes to 1SC, I think 1SC, they say a lot of stuff and they don't wind up doing it. But the thing with Ryzen is that they say a lot of stuff and they wind up doing it. <laughs> That's the, I think there's a complete poor opposite when there's like, oh, oh, Ryzen says they're, that they're going to have Floyd Mayweather on a show. Oh, they wind up having Floyd Mayweather on a show. Oh, uh, 1FC says they're going to have Vitor Belfort on a show. Still waiting for Vitor Belfort to be on a show. Been a few, I feel like it's been forever um, since they... They signed him, or they they said that apparently he's supposed to be fighting. I don't know, uh, but uh, I yeah, you know the problem is with Ryzen here. Well, here's the thing: they've always want since they started. It's always been talked about doing a show in America. Where I have no idea. My guess would probably be California or Vegas, just because it'll be easier to do MMA show. Actually, be easier to do MMA show in Vegas, but it'd probably be cheaper to do it in California because California is closer to Japan. But I guess, yeah. Well, actually, Hawaii is closer to Japan. Yeah, I don't see. I want to see. Uh, whenever someone says North America, I just assume they they exclude Hawaii and Alaska, though. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, well, not those yeah, two. Yeah, that kind of sucks. Um, I mean, I hate whenever. I mean, give the give the other two states that have only been around for sixty years some love. Yeah, <laughs> they're not part of the. Uh, they're not part of the union. They're not part of the original union. They don't count. Um. <laughs> But uh, see, the whole point of Ryzen is that they are different because they do it in a ring and they use soccer kicks. Obviously, they could probably get away with a ring, but they are not going to be able to get away with soccer kicks again. Uh, and also, the whole thing with you know um, not using um, Vaseline to put on fighters, I'm pretty sure that they're going to have to do that as well here. Um, they're going to have to also restructure... You know how the fights are probably judged as well. You know, if, if especially if you're doing Vegas, if you're doing what the if you're doing right in the middle of Vegas, uh, Nevada, and dealing with the Nevada State Athletic Commission, they are going to be looking over your shoulder and making sure you do not fuck up one bit. Um, because normally, much like how it is in New York, they're the ones doing the fucking up for them. I would almost say that like. It's not even worth rising to, to even think about doing a North America show. And when I say North America, I mean just like anywhere outside Japan. There are talks. They did say that they were interested in maybe doing shows in China and Korea. You could probably do that. Maybe Philippines. 
you know, I don't know, uh, maybe, you know, if, uh, if, if Tofik never leaves and stays there, maybe Russia, if you want to, I don't know about the UK, but I'm going to be, I don't think it'd be Ryzen's best financial and also just publicly what, what them doing a show in America uh, would be would be absolutely I don't think it'd be it's, it's worth the anything at all um it's I, I, I don't, there's nowhere I don't even think that the Texas the 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 outlaw state of Texas probably wouldn't even allow them to do uh soccer kicks I'm guessing right Christian because they're all it's, yeah of course the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation combative sports program would never let them do any type of shit like that. And the other thing as well that they have to, have to deal with is drug testing as well. Because here's the thing that, uh, remember that, that great fight between Nick Diaz and Takanori Gomi eventually got turned over to a no contest because Nick Diaz got caught with uh, the devil's lettuce, as they say. And, um, yeah, the devil's lettuce, that's not really much of a problem anymore. And I'm, not gonna, I'm not saying that, that Ryzen allows their, their fires to take illegal substances or anything of that sort, but I'm gonna guess probably the the you know so, let's just say you you're not gonna be able to get away of it here in America uh, and, and doing MMA in America. So yeah, it's not worth it. You know, I don't, I don't even think about. I wouldn't even say if, if Ryzen became even the number one promotion in the world somehow at some point. I wouldn't even say doing it. Just you know what? If you wanted to do maybe. Like a Ryzen Bellator show, that's the most I would say, okay, go ahead and do that. That's a little bit different. Just, you know, a cross-promotion show, don't do a soul show. It's not going to work out in the end. It's just not. It's, it's, it, it's, it's, well, if you want to even talk about, like, look at the New Japan shows that are going, that are doing the uh, South Midwest, and those shows are drawing terribly. The joint. Oh, wait a minute. Are you talking about the recent New Beginning in USA tour that yeah. they've done throughout the Southeast? Yeah, Tampa, North Carolina. I think they did one in Georgia as well. Atlanta, specifically. Yeah. But they did shows more recently in, like you said, Tampa, around the Miami area during Super Bowl week, no less. Yeah, they exactly. They show in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. And I think they done a show in. Fuck, where else? Where else? Oh. They did. They did a show. I think they did do a show in Texas the same day. No, no, no. They didn't do oh. Texas. They didn't do Texas. No, they didn't do. They didn't do Texas. They just done shows in North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. Uh yeah. So basically, yeah. So and those shows have drawn horribly. And you would think, oh, New Japan, number two promotion in the world. They could obviously. Draw, draw money, draws fans here. Nope, they can't. They can't in, oh, those, in those markets. And also, more recently, they've done shows in, like, Tennessee as well. Nashville, specifically. Yeah. They're just, it's, 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 it's not the, it's not the right market. It's not the right time. You know, it's, it just, it just doesn't fit at all. Um, they're also... Not to mention, not that many people in that particular region of the country would even know about them or have any stars... From that region in the in exactly, the uh, well, and also you know those shows were also promoted very horribly as well. 
but the point is that, like you said, uh, the bringing the carriage before the horse, and that's you know that's. Uh, Ryzen is five years old, or, or almost going to be five years old this year. It's uh-huh. it's not even worth it. Listen, they're doing good in Japan, uh, minus the Fuji TV ratings, but they're drawing well. They're selling out. I've always been. I've always you know. Don't count the don't count the, the chickens before your eggs hatch, because it just when you think too big, you're more you're it's it, it's bound to backfire. That just it doesn't always happen. Sometimes that lightning strikes, and then you know, yeah, you know, who would have thought that the Ultimate Fighter would have been the 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 crux that UFC needed to be finally become a mainstream. Uh, sports entity, uh, a sports promotion. Who would have thought that? Nobody would have thought that. Uh, that it went from the from outlaw, basically underground fighting to that, and basically changed the entire promotion. Yeah, but you know what? I think it's less likely when you are a foreign promotion, and also the one selling point, your the soccer kicks, are it won't be it won't be even allowed here. So what's the point? Exactly. Exactly. It's it's not even worth it. It's not even worth it. Um, but going back to the state of the podcast, there's a few things also we like. To, I would just like to talk about. We have been doing this podcast for how long, Christian? Two, three years? Uh, about two. Two. Okay. Um. You know, we are. I'm happy with what we have been able to do so far. With the podcast, I'm happy that we are one of the few, and possibly and not not the first, but but uh, one of the few that specifically does cover the rise of promotion and also other aspects of JMMA when we can or things within that context. You know, whether it be Bellator or blood sports, stuff like that. Um, do Which, we, oh, by the way, we're going to probably be interviewed from, I'm not going to say this is going to happen, this might happen, but I think we'll be interviewing more fighters from Bloodsport this year. Oh, yes. Hopefully. Oh, yes, yes, I look forward to that. Um, one of the things also is hoping to get more, you know, the thing, well, I just want to get your, your thoughts, Christian. Are you happy with what we have been able to do so far in these last two years? I am, but considering the fact that my extended family and my distant family members keep asking me, you know, when am I ever going to get paid for doing this? Well, I just wish that we could do more, you know? I got you. I got you. Um, it's, you know, becoming big in the podcast world, whatever the fuck that means, you know, you know. No longer, it's kind of like YouTube, where people could become big, like just regular people could become big, but because the world has become, you almost have to be already established to make it big in that field. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Uh, because, you know. I was, mean, come to think of it, you have to be like a Jim Cornette. Yeah. I hate giving that example away, but you have to be somebody like Jim Cornette. Or the solo monster, just to you know, 
be heard yeah. without people basically throwing money at you even though they choose to. Well, uh, well, here's the thing. When, when, you know who the angry video game nerd is, right? Heard about him. Oh, uh, yeah. He, when he started on YouTube, you know, this was when, you know, people were just posting cat videos on YouTube. And, you know, he didn't, you know, he, it basically, he, he was a small, just basically himself or him and his friends just making these videos. And then they eventually got uh, partnered with another group. But then he came back to YouTube. But basically, he became big at a time when when YouTube was anybody could make it, you know, where you know YouTube wasn't doing all this algorithm shit, uh, and you know wasn't deliberately suppressing videos that they didn't want you to see and just promote and promoting the ones that they wanted you to see. Um, Basically, what you're trying to say is they weren't sucking off Google's teeth. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. I'm not, I shouldn't be just picking on YouTube, but basically what I'm trying to say is that, you know, who knows, we, I have no idea, like, the podcast world is kind of basically the same. Um, anybody can start a podcast, but the problem is that since anybody can do it, and that, like, getting through that door is a lot harder to get to than it was, you know, uh, when, I'm trying to think, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, an example of, like, who's, like, who started small and became big. In the uh, podcast world. Um, oh, you know what? I got an example. There's a guy I know named Brad Gilmore, a.k.a. Lord Trillmore, that, you know, got big off the podcast world. And now he's pretty much Booker T's right-hand man with the reality of wrestling. Okay, yeah. I guess that's another example. Of, well, yeah, uh, I guess... Mm, I guess initially, also MLW kind of started small as well, and they became much well, more. If you think about it, MLW started off as a niche independent professional wrestling promotion. Then they took some time off before coming back as a podcast network before relaunching said independent wrestling promotion under basically their podcast money. Got there. Got you. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, you know, wrestling is an entirely different beast when it comes to podcasting. Uh, but basically, what well, you know, like I said, you know, and you brought it up, you know, making money and all that stuff, you know, is, you know, it's a lot harder to do on podcasts. Basically, I'm, what I'm saying right now is I'm going, there's nothing right now that, that I'm going to, that we would say, okay, you're blocked off unless you pay money. We are not at that level yet. And I don't know if we ever will be. But, you know, right now, the only thing we, that Christian and I have been discussing is a, what's it called, a Patreon or is it Patreon? I keep, what is it called again? It's Patreon. Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And, um, you know, just a basic $1 just to basically, you know, say thank you. And if there's like, say if there's like 50 people who did it, you know what? It'll be like, I don't know, ten dollars for, for both of us and then the rest would go to just whatever else this uh, uh the, the SoundCloud um subscription that, that charges um to a user service. So yeah, so right now it's a Patreon's gonna be worked on Patreon's gonna be worked on for one dollar a month. Or whatever whatever the the thing is. At some point, will there be maybe perhaps, you know, paywalled content? I don't know, but not at this point. 
Um, what do you, th Christian? Are you okay at that? Is that that's that's something that you're okay? I think one dollar is just is as fair as it could be by and not you know locking off people at a because I don't think we're at that level yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I mean I agree with you. I don't think we're at that level yet. I mean, and I wouldn't mind starting out doing a Patreon, but considering the fact that. All of you have a disposable income, and being an actor, I don't have shit to myself. I mean, my, I mean, I think all three of my other siblings, I mean, I'm the second oldest of four, but all three of my other siblings work. I don't. Unfortunately, I don't have any income to myself, so it would basically just be a means for me just to get by. Oh, yeah, no, that's understandable, and I think in this day and age, you know, it's both positive, it's both good and neg and good uh, that that people who support a, a a form of entertainment they can directly contribute, um, you know, because it, it kind of cuts out a middleman, which is good in some ways. Uh, it's bad though, you know, because you know what's let's just say you know you say the wrong thing or you, you do the wrong thing, you can just lose that support all in one, one fell swoop like that. Um, yeah, basically, you don't want to be too controversial, otherwise you might attract the wrong crowd. Not even that, but just not delivering on what's promised. Um, I don't know if you know who, uh, there's an uh, internet personality, his name is Spoonie. You ever hear of him? Heard about him? Never really, truly cared about him. He was, you know, one of those video game guys, you know, doing rev video game reviews, and they started doing wrestling reviews. And then he started doing Patreon. He uh, basically had a whole bunch of meltdowns on on social media and all that stuff. And he start he went from about I'm trying to think it was maybe like five thousand, six thousand, seven thousand, almost ten thousand a month to about I think he I think it's about like three hundred dollars a month that he makes it out on Patreon, mm. which is really bad. Which is really bad. And but you know. We're not really in a field, luckily, where we can, unless we say, we're not, like, luckily it's, like, not that bad where people get punished really easily, so I don't think, hopefully we don't have to worry about that. I don't think we have to, because we're both smart, you know, but we're honest, that's the thing. That's the other thing I want to say about the podcast as well, is that one thing is that I'm happy about is that we've been always honest since the beginning. We've always... Well, you have, mostly. I mean, this thing is your baby. Oh yeah. I've only been a part of it for almost two years. But even when when you have been honest as well at the day you started, uh, since I asked you to join on this, so we always give our honest opinions. If we're unhappy about something, we're right. That's the thing. We kind of straddle both, like a fan cast, but also like I don't know what like publication. Maybe I don't know what to say because we do interviews as well. Uh, a lot of fan casts don't do interviews. Um, they just kind of just like critically review things. Um, so, yeah, we're kind of like on a weird in-between. But nonetheless, we're always honest. And we it's honest because we love JMMA so much. We love MMA so much. We just don't want to see it go the same way. Because Pride made a lot of mistakes, and if you read the uh, uh, the book of uh, Before a Fall, um, great book by the way, on Pride's rise and fall, you'll see, you know, 
that the mistakes that they made, you know, hopefully Ryzen doesn't make because Risen, you know, you the deep and pancreas shooter will always be around. Problem is they'll always be at a lower level. Ryzen has the potential to become much bigger, in my opinion, but also means that th that it also has the room for more for for failure. Probably lasted ten years. My I hope that Ryzen can last longer than that. But in this day and age, yeah. But if you think about it, Deep has been around for nearly twenty. Yeah. Pancrase has been around for over twenty five, and Shootup has been around for over thirty. But also, you know, we were talking about before, you know, of Ryzen. You're saying we want to do they want to do shows in America. You know, here's the thing: Shootup, Pancrass Deep, never. As far as I know, never thought about doing shows in America. They're just like we're just gonna stick with Japan, so and we're just gonna stay here. We're gonna we're this this is our market. We're not going to step over into another market to try to succeed. Right, so, right. So and that's the that's the risk that Ryzen makes. You know, being the the you know being one of the few, if not the only, English friendly rise of uh, JMMA promotion out there. And also trying to get an audience uh, 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 of MMA fans that are international. Uh, and eventually it looks like trying to do a show here as well. So that's, that's you know, I, we are critical not because we are assholes or that we're trying to be neckbeards, critical neckbeards or anything of like that. We're critical because we don't want this to fail. At least I don't. I mean, I guess you're the same way, Christian, right? Yeah, I'm pretty much the same way. I've been a fan of the Rising Fighting Federation since their very first show, December 29, 2015. Exactly. And the last thing I want to see them do is fail and end up being a part of the JMMA graveyard with Rising and Dream. Well, actually, no, with Dream and Pride and K1 Heroes. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and, well, and you know, I they, I don't know if you know the only if if Rising goes away, there's really no major JMMA promotion for fans to talk about. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, and and this is not again, it's not an insult to Deep Pancreas K One whatever. The problem is just, just they don't have the same reach that Rising does, and probably never will, just because. Ryzen just happens to have, you know, the Fuji TV backing them. They have Sakaki Barras sitting on those millions of dollars for, for, for almost 10 years uh, and doing nothing with them, waiting to open up another promotion after a Dream and all that stuff. So, yeah, you know, I don't want this to fail. That's why I'm critical because I don't want – I'm critical when it's, criti when it's time to be critical, but we're also positive when, when it's time to be positive. Um, and, and we'll be talking about that later when we go into the best of and worst of. Uh, but right now, regarding the state of the podcast, I'm happy what we have done so far. I'm looking forward to doing more. Um, definitely trying to do more interviews with uh, international talent just because nobody talks to them. They should have the same voice that, that, that English-speaking talent does. I think you'd absolutely agree with that, Christian. Yeah, and I can only... I mean, I can agree with that because of the fact that you obviously don't hear a lot about these non-English speaking talents often because they don't really get asked for anything outside of 
you know, their local, I mean, outside of local publications in their countries of origin, but still, it would be great for, you know, regardless of if we need an interpreter or not, you know, to have a conversation with these people and, you know, get to understand their stories instead of, you know, just relying on rising confessions. No disrespect to Shingo and the people behind that program. It's actually pretty good. But still, it would be great for us to interview more of these international talent just so that we can help get their voices out there. I mean, obviously, I won't forget, you know, interviewing Manel Cape and interviewing Simon Beyond prior to Rising 20 because, you know, getting a chance to interview them and talk to them. And the same goes for Trent Gurdon before his one and only Rising fight so far. Getting to hear these guys talk about how they felt about fighting in Japan, it's just, it just brings joy to, you know, not to me, but to fans of theirs because, you know, it gets more people talking about them. And I hope that if we do get a chance to talk more with these international fighters, regardless of if they speak English or not, you know, people will understand them. Exactly. It's their story. Exactly. Um... Also, other things with the podcast, um, I'm going to make sure that our podcasts are shorter. That is the one thing I've been told, shorter. So, the goal is under two, two the, for, preview sh- for, for anything that's preview shows, two and a half hours or under, uh, same thing with review shows, and anything else in between, whether it be shooting the shit or whatever, make them two hours or less. I've learned that apparently people, that nowadays shorter is better, also in, in connection to YouTube, uh, you, it's easier to uh, upload short things on YouTube. Um, I remember I was trying to upload, I think it was one of our five-hour previews or something on YouTube, and then it like it hung up at like ninety percent, and so I had to like redo it again, and I was just like, yeah, this is this is this, if it, it it drove me insane. It drove me insane. And plus, you know, I think... Yeah, but if you think about it, the same thing also happened on SoundCloud as well when you tried to upload an over four-hour yeah. preview. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing as well. Like about the three-hour points. Exactly. It's, it's easier also to upload on SoundCloud. Um, we'll be doing... We'll be still doing in-depth previews, but we'll be doing a little bit... We'll, we're going to be going at a little faster pace from now on. Uh, we're going to do... We're going to... Bri- we're... Because uh, for the, um I'm trying to remember which show it was, uh, I think it was the Rise and tw- uh, the 20 preview, we kind of just, uh, we kind of gave it, we gave it a little faster pace. Um, well, actually it was the quick hits version. Yes. Well, which uh, I, after all the editing I had done, it was nearly 25 minutes long. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I won't, you know, some things will be more quicker than others. Like when we talk about this Rise and 21 show coming up, listen, we can't. You can only say so much about uh, about the, the some of those kickboxing matches, like yeah. yeah. The, so like there's that, but but like the main event title matches, co-main, we could talk a little bit more. You know, there's always more discussion for that and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, when it comes to when it comes to uh, two kickboxers from Nagoya whose record is we don't know or can't find video of. Because they go by a singular popular Japanese name like Na- Naoya, when there's already an- another kickboxer named 
named Dahlia, and it's hard to find video, you're finding videos on the wrong boxer, then yeah, you can only talk about so much about that person, or that fight in general. Um, right, right. Or when they are from an international territory like Bolivia, and they lived in Japan for X amount of years, but even the footage you find of them isn't up to, like, Quality. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the other thing as well. That some, you know, because uh, sometimes these these you'll have fights from like ten years ago, and I'm not interested in seeing what they did ten years ago. It's it's just not it's not the same. They're not the same fighter. So, hopefully they're not the same fighter. I mean, you know, hopefully they improve and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, you know, exactly as well, exact uh, exactly. But overall, I think we're doing good work. I'm happy with the work. Uh, you know, and I, I'm hoping that people. I hope, it, I hope this gets people more passionate about JMMA or it gets new fans of JMMA in the end, whether it be Rise and Deep, Pancreas, Shuto, uh, K1, Rise, anything. You know, there's other stuff out there and people should know about it. And the, it's sad when, when people are just like, oh, I'll only watch UFC or I'll only watch so and so. It's just, it's, the closed mindedness really bothers me a lot. Right, right. And it's that closed-mindedness that makes the MMA community and even the combat sports community more and more divisive. Exactly. Uh, but I'll tell you who's also not uh, who's not closed-minded. Uh, once again, rising CEO Sakaki Bara, uh, and uh, this is what he said that they're going to be doing for future Ryzen shows. And this is again, thank you to the translation by Karev fan. Apparently, Ryzen is so desperate to get to get raised that they will be crowdsourcing ideas on Twitter for crazy matchups that they could do through an official hashtag. Christian, what do you think about asking fans about about doing matchmaking? Good or bad idea? I think it's a bad idea because you don't want to give. I mean, granted. When fans get the chance to, you know, say what's on their mind or vote for whoever they want, it usually goes good. It usually goes well. But in the case of some things, like more recently, and I'm just going off the beaten path here, but the NBA All-Star Game balloting, you know, just ended. And considering the fact that the games in Chicago this year, many people wanted to see Derrick Rose a graduate of Simeon High School, you know, getting the All-Star game, but the minute the reserves were announced, he wasn't involved. I mean, he wasn't even in the final tally. So it's not really all that good to give the fans an opportunity to voice about who they want to see fight because, you know, what the fans might think may be different from what the Ryzen committee the Fight Selection Committee and Shingo Kashiwagi, the main booker of Ryzen, might think. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about it. If, if an entire fight card here in the States was just based off of fan voting and, you know, who fights what, in regardless of division, how do you think it would be done? Oh, it would be <laughs> terrible. It would be terrible. And here's the thing, you know, being Japanese MMA is a little bit more, shall we say, I don't want to say not as regulated, that's the wrong term to use, a little bit not as, of things are a little bit more uh, open weight, or can be potentially open weight as, as, as you might say. 
Um, who the fuck knows? What would happen? You know, what would happen if people vote? If, if fans voted Bob Sapp versus Tension Nasukawa in his kickboxing match? Come oh, on, Tension would basically get flattened so hard he'd feel like a pancake. And but you know the funny thing is is that so many people would like watch that. From a business perspective, it's probably like the best idea in the world for a, I guess, you know, uh, uh, a, a, how you want to present yourself to a, a, a public presentation. I don't think it's the best idea in the world, but like that's, you know, business wise, I don't know. Like, you know, they, they, they say they're doing this for ratings, you know, it's all right. It, you know, the next rising show, Rising 21, is not going to be on live on Food TV. I mean, it's a smaller show, and I think a lot of people expect that. But what, uh, you, you know, this is the thing about Rising is that they, I, and we talked a little bit about in the Rising 21 shows, that if they lose that Fuji TV deal, I, you know, I wouldn't say, I think they kind of have to go like the New Japan route, where they just become, they, 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 they make their name on selling, uh, on, on selling tickets. Not ratings. Um, to study. That and the fact that they got enough of a, you know, number of fights in their combined history that they can actually do like a fight library. Yeah. Um, you know, it would suck if they lost Fuji TV because it means that they'd be the only MMA promotion that, that, that just by having that, they are, they are the number one MMA promotion on television in Japan by proxy. Um, then, because then they would have to go to like Bima TV or Samurai TV or whoever. Yeah. If they go to a Bima TV, there's no fucking way that that shit gets shown outside of Japan. Oh yes. Oh. None. Or or Gal exclusive. Imagine that. It'd be even worse for if it, was, if it was like Gal exclusive. I would hope, you know, uh, maybe you know. And it's funny because Ryzen did. They also did a crowdfund financially for uh, the Ryzen 20 show last year. So they seem to be doing a lot of things where they're asking fans for help. I like, and I think you said it best, Christian. I would, I leave the matchmaking to the matchmakers. Are the fights, you know, the fights that I would like to make? No, but you know, maybe the fights that I want to make may not be the best fights in the long run or the short term. So I would rather. I'd rather leave it up to the people who know, who have been doing it for a long time. You know, Shingo, who's the matchmaker for Ryzen, I trust, you know, he's been doing it for five years, and they're doing good business, so why break, I, I would, you know, I, I also don't know, like, what extent, like, are they asking fans, are they, are they asking, like, are they, like, giving fans a choice, or are they just saying, fans, give us whatever the fuck you want? I think, you know, I think if you want to say, like, Hey, what which fight would you like to see on this card? I think that's there's nothing wrong with that. I think that I think that could be okay. But to have fans book like saying like, oh, uh, we wanna see uh Jake Hune or or we wanna see Vitaly Shemitov versus Jake Hune for the for the uh uh, uh vacated light. Uh, yeah. I think that's bad. I don't think they should be fans should be deciding title matches. I don't think fan if you want to give fans a choice in the matches that they see, yeah, sure, but not the actual 
booking of the matches. What do you say about that? I mean, it is true. I mean, to be honest, if you wouldn't want to see, I mean, if the Zupa Zombies wouldn't want to see, you know, their fans book an entire UFC fight card knowing that Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard, a guy who I know so well from Legacy FC back in the day, do their jobs, why the hell would... (coughs) Why the hell would Ryzen basically, you know, leave the book in Alex Shingo Kashiwagi's hands and just let the fans run wild? Because the last thing you want to have is, I mean, because this is open, obviously Twitter is an open forum. People from all around the world can just basically say who they want to see fight. It's not just for those outside of, it's not just for those in Japan. So, let's just say, somebody might have a crazy-ass idea of, you know, having tension fight somebody that weighs over 200 pounds of head of him and has a efficiency for taking L's. Also, but, that's a good point. Also, the problem is, is that if fans want to see something, that doesn't mean that Ryzen can necessarily do it. If they wrote, oh, we want to see CM Punk versus Logan Paul, that ain't going to fucking happen. That just, it's not yeah, gonna, of course it's not going to happen because CM Punk's under an exclusive contract one way or the other with either the UFC or the W. Well, he's not under an exclusive WWE contract. He's just signed with Fox Sports. Yeah. But there's no way that that could happen because you got Logan Paul whose ego needs to be stroked daily. Otherwise, he'll throw a bitch fit. Exactly. And I mean, let's just say, for instance, there's this rumor going around that he wants to fight former NFL wide receiver, her soon-to-be convicted criminal Antonio Brown. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen because, you know, people are just basically desperate for anything. And, well, boxing has already dealt with more crazier mismatches than any other sport, combat or otherwise, ever. Yeah. So I think that a match between those two wouldn't make any sense. So, and then also, you know... Just like, for instance, and I hate to interrupt you, but don't count on my thing, <laughs> I got into another fucking Twitter spew with that joker, so to speak, Aaron Chalmers, formerly of the Georgie Shore on MTV UK, now fighting for Bellator. I got into a Twitter spew with that motherfucker because... You know, I basically said he should be fighting Kimbo Slice Jr., a.k.a. Kevin Ferguson Jr., instead of Logan Paul, because if he fights, I mean, if those two fight each other, if Chalmers and Baby Slice end up fighting each other, it would be a hell of a lot better than an ego-stroking battle between Chalmers and Paul. But still, I guess... When it comes down to fan voting, you know, fans shouldn't decide the outcomes of fights because most of the time, those fights are not going to be of high quality or even make sense. Yeah, and I guess that sets, that sets up fans with disappointment. Oh, no, we can't we can't get uh, CM Punk versus uh, Logan Paul. So then you already just, you know, you disappoint your fans or the people who are saying, oh, we want to see this. So it's kind of, you kind of are 
kind of setting yourself up to disappointment. It's some extreme, like, type of fight that cannot be booked for for any reason. So yeah, I don't like I don't, I don't like that. They want to give uh, they want to give fi- uh, fans a choice in what fights get booked or get shown in that card. Yeah, sure, whatever. But not don't 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 leave it. Don't let it become a wild west where where it becomes like incredibly ridiculous at, and all that shit. Um, but regarding the, uh, I did bring up the light heavyweight title being uh, vacated. We gotta talk about that, Christian, because that's pretty darn big news. Uh, Jerry. Pro- uh, yes, of course. Jerry Denisha Prohaska, the basically the winningest fighter, not only among foreign fighters but of fighters in general in Rise in history. Yeah. To go to the UFC and now the light heavyweight title horizon is declared vacant as Jerry goes to more greener pastures inside the octagon. Uh, now, original horizon original. I gotta ask Andrew, but I hate to interrupt you. Yep. Again, kind of my thing. <laughs> but how do you think Jerry will fare in the octagon? And do you think that it'll only be a matter of time before Horizon decides on a high-quality, light heavyweight title match, presumably Jake Hume versus Simon Beyong. Oh, it's, 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 you know, it seems the connected with also, you know, it seems like Jiri, uh, you know, Bellator is also in talks, but if you remember, I don't know if you saw the video of Scott Tork, Coker talking about Jiri, it seemed like uh, Coker was very upset that Jiri chose UFC over Bellator. Did you see that video by any chance? It was at a press I conference. Heard about it. Yeah, he see seemed it. very. Scott Coker is not, is not a guy who 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 badmouths fighters or says negative things about fighters that I can recall. But in his tone, he seemed very like, well, you know, if that's what he wants to do, that's what he wants to do. You know, um, my guess is probably that the reason why Bellator didn't work out is that they probably already had penciled in uh, the Nemkov Bader uh, light heavyweight match. Is it light heavyweight or heavyweight? I think it's, it's heavyweight, right? Light heavyweight. Oh, sorry. Light heavyweight match. Um, And probably Jury was like, I want to fight Bader as soon as I come in. They're like, nope, we already got Nemkov. And he's like, sorry, Bellator. That's my belief. Because um, he's, you know, Bellator, him fighting Bellator, uh, Bader for that Bellator light heavyweight title would have absolutely been the fight to make. For UFC, um, you know, Sky's the limit for him. I, you know, we obviously wish him the best. Um, we've <laughs> talked to him a few times. I think he's. It, I think he he's obviously the number one. I think maybe, would it would it fair, be fair to say that in terms of not the number one unsigned UFC prospect in the world, I think he's gotta be up there, if not number one, at least top three, considering. The insane win streak he's been on, and just like how he's finished almost all of his opponents. I said he's, I think he's finished all but one opponent in his entire career. Mm-hmm. King Mo, obviously. Well, actually, in in Ryzen, the only fight, the only blemish he has on his record is because of King Mo, and obviously the one. Non-finished and one non-finished win that he has was against Bartanios. Oh yes, that's the only one. Yes, yes, yes. Um, 
Uh, and yeah, he's only lost once in his in his career as well. And how old is he? 26, 27? Uh, he's somewhere in that range. Yeah. So he's young. He's a light heavyweight. Um, light heavyweight always seems to be a weird division for UFC because you seem to have people that, that don't stay there. You have people... The only one who's been there for that long is John Jones. And then you've had fighters who, you know, have gone down to middleweight or go up to heavyweight. They all, the light heavyweight seems to be a weird, a very weird, uh, yeah, the weight division for USC. Because a lot of people don't seem to stay on it. And I'll, I don't know if it's because John Jones has been so dominant um, the last uh, the last few fights. Uh, actually, I was going to say the last few fights. Well, the Gustafsson fight was the only one that he was dominant in, but... In terms of like his entire career, yeah, it's been basically John Jones has been the uh, uh, the uh, face of the light heavyweight division when uh, when uh, until Daniel Cormier became uh, light heavyweight champion as well. But yeah, it's, there's really nobody. Uh, you got you got John Jones facing Dominic Reyes uh, coming up this weekend. I mean, you know, if Dominic Reyes doesn't win, you know, you got. The, I guess you know the presumed thing is that you know Jerry would eventually win, win will eventually fight John Jones and. That is a compelling fight to make. I think it's... Oh, if, he, if he wins the UFC, though, you know, you never know. You never know. Once these people get locked in the cage, things are different. Um, yeah, that is true. But the one problem I have with Jerry signing with the UFC is that aside from the very few words in English he knows how to speak, English ain't really his main language. And the UFC don't really like pushing... Or putting over fighters that don't speak English for money. Well, here's the thing. Obviously, he, he'll be obviously on... the same thing has happened with Jose Aldo. And he feels, obviously, he feels that you don't have to speak English to be recognized as a top star, which is true. But I have a feeling that with the UFC's ideology of the fact that you know, you have to at least know or understand English in order to make at least a little bit of sense. I feel that it may be a while, even if Yuri gets matched up against somebody with lesser fights than he has, or more fights than he has in his UFC debut, I have a feeling that Yuri probably might be a while before he gets that UFC light heavyweight title opportunity. Yeah, um... I mean, yeah, that's, I, I'm, I mean, here's the thing, I think he's gonna probably be, uh, relegated, probably, uh, except for you know if he gets a title shot, probably relegated to you know those Prague shows or those Europe, Eastern European shows. I mean, he he does do uh, he already does uh, uh, the the commentary for UFC uh whenever they're in Prague or Eastern Europe. Um, I don't know if he'll be, I don't, I don't know if he'll be doing that anymore since he'll be on their roster, but yeah, you know, well, he'll still get opportunities when he's not fighting to be doing that. He'll just do it in a more general capacity. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I obviously, you know, the question is who would you have him face at, at a light heavyweight? Um, I think the, I think the first fight you make, I, well, initially I was going to say, <laughs> Him versus OSP, but that can't happen now. So, um, I was gonna say him versus uh Blackowitz, John Jan Blackowitz. I think would probably be a good Eastern European match to make. 
What do you think, Christian? Ah, the Prince of Siesta in Poland, who resides, I think, in Orlando, Florida now, but still, John Blockowitz would be a good fight. But the fact is, I don't think I would know of a good fight for young, I mean, for Jerry, because I, I mean, aside from from local fighters that I care about, like Derek, like Derek the Black Beast, Lewis, Von the Kraken, Adams, hell, even Mike the Troop Jackson. <laughs> Hard to believe. Yeah. But aside from the local fighters, the local fighters from the Houston area that are in the UFC, well, even the occasional Japanese fighter like Shiri Kondo, who hasn't fought in the UFC forever, and I think it's now officially back in professional wrestling, the UFC hasn't released her completely yet. But still, I think that I don't think I would know who would be a perfect opponent for Cherry Prohaska in his UFC debut because I don't really follow the UFC all that much like I used to, especially ever since they had Reebok as their official apparel partner. Ever since they pretty much wore bad behavior like the stuff with John Jones and Conor McGregor. And ever since they pretty much been stroking, I mean, been doing nothing but stroking Dana White's ego. Yeah, um, I know there are some people saying that he should have gotten an immediate title shot considering that he was a, for, a former champion from another major organization. Um, that probably would never happen now. Probably back in the old days of pride, you know, when... Uh, UFC would bring, you know, uh, Rampage or something or somebody over and immediately that they got get, they got me a tile shot because they were in pride. Yeah, but that's not happening anymore. If it doesn't, ha- you know, I'm trying to think of like, yeah, it wouldn't, even, it wouldn't happen for Bellator. Would he, would, if Ryan Bader decided to leave, leave Bellator for UFC, he wouldn't get a media tile shot against John Jones or uh, uh, Stephen Mielsic. It would never happen. It's not. It's not. It's not the environment anymore. I know. People, you know, you can wish all you want, but that ain't gonna happen. That's not gonna happen at all. Um, I mean, come to think of it, with over six hundred competitors on their roster, it'd be harder to climb Mount Kilimanjaro yeah. than to get a title shot in the UFC, especially at that pace. But you know, I I I will watch his first fight in UFC. I'm hoping, you know, it'll be easy to watch. And you know, I want to go through five layers of a, of a streaming service to find it or whatever. Um, you know, I don't. Will he be on a main card? You could, if if it's a, if it's a show in Prague or uh, a Czech Republic or Europe, yeah, he could definitely be like the opening, uh, or if not the at least the the main on the prelim maybe. But listen, it's gonna be a while. He's gonna need three or four fights potentially. Before he gets even considered a, a USC title shot, and you know we gotta see how this uh this Dominic Reyes John Jones fight goes this weekend as well, um because that could you know change the the landscape of the light heavyweight division as well. Um, question though, what do you have a favorite Jerry fight from uh, Ryzen? Oh, most definitely my favorite Jerry fights. Were, I mean, my favorite Jerry fights in Ryzen were obviously the two King Mo fights that he had. The 2015 heavyweight, I guess, Grand Prix final versus King Mo, where he lost 
even though it was still a pretty fun fight for the amount of time it was given. And then, four years later, obviously, less than four years later, the knockout of King Mo and obviously King Mo's last Japanese MMA appearance. I, uh, I'm very partial to the Brandon Halsey fights because Brandon Halsey sucks. Yeah, Halsey sucks. But Jerry was so good that remember he got in that rear nigga choke, and he almost could have been choked out, but he managed to survive it. And then Brandon Halsey decided to fall out of the ring two times, and then <laughs> and then uh, Jerry still. Yeah, could, but either way, it was still a six minute and fifty four second dropping, wasn't it? Yeah, yo, because it showed how how great a fighter Jerry was. Because Frank Trigg on commentary was saying that like, oh, Jerry still has a lot of holes in his games, and I saw a complete MMA fighter in that game. Um, I guess also that means no more, uh, Jiri rounds. I think, you know, I, I don't see Ryzen doing the, uh, te first 10 minute round anymore for anybody else, I guess. They haven't done it in a while, actually, but with Jiri gone, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess that's, uh, I guess the, 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 the 10 minute round, first round 10 minutes is, uh, rest in peace, unfortunately. Well, in Japan, unfortunately, but... I think there. I think I recently saw like a fight TV fight card that was gonna take place in Europe a few weeks from now, and they still have like. I mean, for some odd reason, it has like ten. It has like the prior rules, just no soccer kicks. But still, yeah, because of the fact that Jerry's no longer under a rising contract and is now stuck to fight on. Possibly shitty undercards in Eastern Europe for the UFC. I can only hope that he, you know, I can only hope that he does well enough to get to that title shot. And you know, rest in peace to the pride. Rest in peace to the pride round rule set. Mm -hmm. yeah. I also did post a question on social media: what they should do about the light heavyweight division. It seems like they're going to be maybe going the direction of Jake Kuhn versus Simon Young for the uh, vacant title. But I did have some people saying that they should just scrap the uh, title altogether. Um, but the, do you really think that would be a good idea, though? Well, the problem with light heavyweight division outside the UFC, it's 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 a really... I think if there's anything we saw from Jiri is that there's the competition is not that good. Jiri was one of the best, the exception. Uh, King Mo, maybe at one point, but, you know, after all those, after, you know, just so much wear and tear, he obviously just couldn't keep up fighting. Oh, yeah, especially because of that hip surgery, and now he's wrestling at MLW, and I think that he's taking lighter bumps. Um, I mean, if you want to say that Bellator has, has some, uh, has some answers for light heavyweight, then, yeah, you could maybe say Phil Davis, um, Ryan Bader, obviously, uh, William McGeary, if you, uh, I guess, uh, is, uh, Gegard Musasi, if he ever goes back to, uh, light heavyweight, if he, if, if yeah, you... because, of course, Gegard Musasi going back to Japan would be a welcome attraction. Yeah, so if you, yeah, so Bellator has some, but for the most part, yeah, there's, the light heavyweight division is very, very, is, is, is almost, you could say light, uh, outside UFC, um, it appears to be that way. If they do sign Beyond versus JQ, I wouldn't mind that, though. It sounds like, you know, from the way that we talked to JQ, he seems to be more into heavyweight, open weight. Um, you know, the weight cuts, you know, gets, 
sucks. He's more or less said that he hates doing the weight cuts, and I don't blame him. Um, but if it's for a title, you know, it might be a little extra that might help. But, you know, I mean, do, do I think they should get rid of the title? No, but does it have to be JQ and Sam Young? I don't necessarily think so. Um, I would definitely put Sam Young, maybe. The other thing, yeah, actually, you know, Sam Young is as well, you know, He's only had one fight in Ryzen, and you know, uh, you know, do you want him to get a title shot immediately? I don't know. Is is? I, mean, I don't think it would be a good idea, but also, it wouldn't be a good idea to give CB Dalloway a title shot either. Oh, I guess I disagree with that as well. I disagree that Dalloway should not have gotten a title shot. You know, if it was at least somebody who contended for a title, yeah, maybe, but not an immediate title shot. Um. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you would say to give Ivan sure to call a title shot, but obviously he just lost at middleweight. Yeah, how? First fight he's ever, first fight at middleweight, and it's first fight he ever lost. I I don't understand it. Yeah, whatever. Uh, bad bad choice on his part to go down to that weight. Um. So, I mean, yeah, the light heavyweight division rising seems to be a little bit frozen. Because, um, yeah, we, I don't even know what they... I don't think they even know what they might even do at this point. They might need a few months to just consider all the options, whether it might be... One of the options just might be, yeah, getting rid of the title and just having title fights in uh, in Ryzen. Just having individual light heavyweight fights in Ryzen, maybe. Or just putting the division on back burner as well. Just, you know, having people fight a heavyweight or openweight. Yeah, uh, it sucks. Do you think that would be a good idea, though, for these two hundred pound, for these two hundred pound guys facing off against fighters that weigh upwards of thirty to one hundred pounds heavier than them? It would get people talking. You know, it, that's the thing. It, you know, it, it would get people talking about about the fights. You know, seeing you know, oh hey, it uh, it's uh, Simon Beyond versus I don't know. Rocky Martinez or something like that. I have no idea. Yeah, something like along those lines. Yeah, it gets it'll get people talking, um, based on the quote freak show factor. Um, uh, but yeah, it's just it's really hard to book a division when you just lost really your best guy. It's really 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 hard. Um, I mean, also let's be honest, Ryzen does have some of the blame. They were just giving him really bad. They seem to knowingly give him very little. Good competition, and he was very vocal about that. That he wanted uh, to say he was very vocal about wanting to face the best people in in Ryzen, and he was willing to stay there. It sounded like if, but imagine you know saying, oh, you know that we want that I want I want better competition, and then you get a you get an email from Ryzen saying, oh hey, we want we want to book you versus CB Dalloway. Kind of would be like, what? So yeah. Yeah, it would be it just is. as it would be just as uninteresting. Well, actually, no, because the fight did happen, and it was kind of a letdown yeah. for fans of Dalloway. But I wouldn't want to see Dalloway get another. I mean, no. I wouldn't want to see Dalloway get a rising title opportunity because it would be just as uninteresting as Antonio. Paul as the Antonio Brown Logan Paul fight, which unfortunately, as of the time of 
this recording, 12.02 a.m. on now December, I mean, on now February 4th, 2019. Shit. <laughs> Don't get all this shit mixed up. As of the time of recording, 12.02 a.m. Central Standard Time, February 4th, 2020, that fight has been officially agreed upon. But still, I don't think that it would be wise to give C.B. Dalloway a title shot. Yeah. Nope. Give him an opportunity to showcase himself. That would be a better opportunity. Yeah. I, maybe, maybe just have some tournaments... With, with light heavyweight fighters. The also problem is you also have, you know, a lot of middleweight fighters not cutting weights probably as well going into uh, the light heavyweight division as well. Which actually, I forgot, C.B. Dalloway is something like that. He was a middleweight and he went up for a light heavyweight in this fight as well. Um, yeah, but also when you think about it, I mean, don't you kind of think that they probably need to adopt the California style of weighing-in fighters now, because now, if you think about it, there's like three new divisions in California, whereas you could obviously weigh in at your walking weight and not feel guilty about missing weight. Yeah, um, but it's, you know, it's funny, weight cutting in Japan is weird, because you have guys who don't cut a lot of weight, a lot of the Japanese don't cut a lot of weight, um, and I think that's... It, it, a lot, I, I, but then you have the foreign fighters come in and cutting a lot of weight. So, yeah, it's it's, it's a weird thing. Weight cutting in Japan is a very weird thing. Um, I mean, ideally, in a perfect world, there'd be no weight cutting for any promotions. But unfortunately, that is not happening. Would, would this ideal that you're talking about, Christian, be great? Yes, but I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening at all, unfortunately. Guess what? Guess uh, I, maybe they'll have to do Shurtikov versus Byung. Who knows? Maybe that's the only fight that they, they can potentially make for their light heavyweight division. <laughs> oh, well. It was fun while it lasted. It was fun while it lasted. But what I'm going to tell you that's really fun is our Ryzen Soccer Kick. We are Ryzen Soccer Kick Awards for 2019. Really so excited because I've been wanting to, we've been meaning to do this for a long time, Christian. But we finally get to fucking do it. Ah, uh, yes. You can go ahead and go first. Okay. I gotta get our drum roll first. So just let everybody know, we have a bunch of categories that we uh, award Ryzen fights and fighters. Uh, and, um, one, and we're going to first start off. I think it's best to always start out with the bad. Because then we can segue into the good. So before I get into the worst fight of 2019 in Ryzen Fighter Federation, we're going to have a drum roll. <laughs> worst fight. Now this was an interesting choice because I think that Ryzen 2019 had a lot of disappointing fights, but not a lot of bad fights. Because uh, I remember when we were we were first when we first started talking about the Ryzen shows last year, we were kind of like, eh, that fight was okay. It was a decision win. Nobody nobody's gonna talk about it. But no, but there were there's there were really only I guess you can only really say two bad fights, and one of them was Jared Brooks versus Haru Ochi, the first one, 
because the first, the second one does not exist because it did not make tape. Um, well, and, actually, it does exist. I mean, somebody posted it on their Daily Motion channel. I won't mention who, <laughs> but you can watch it there. Ah, uh, yes, yes. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, the the first one is canon for our show, and the that fight uh, was on the. Was it, I have it here as the why is it Ryzen sixteen? It's a Ryzen fifteen. Oh wait, no, I'm. I wrote the I wrote the wrong fucking number down. Hold on. Okay, you mean Ryzen eighteen. Ryzen eighteen. Eight, uh, Jared Brooks versus Haru Ochi Strawweight, which ended in a no contest in the first round, eleven seconds, due to an accidental headbutt. Why is this one of the worst fights of Ryzen? Because it basically was not a fight. It was eleven seconds. And nothing happened. But if you want to talk about the worst full fight that happened, and boy, this one is a fucking doozy. Ryzen 19, Reyna versus Alexandra Alvare. Knockout defeated Alvare. First round, TKO, 20 seconds. Alvare's record as of now is 0 5. She replaced Shauna Ram. By like a week or two weeks' notice on this fight, terrible fight because Reyna was absolutely outmatched her. Alvare might be legitimately the worst pro fighter, female pro fighter in the world. Um, I have no idea how 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 Shingo find found her, or like how he stumbled upon her. It was an incredible what, like it is, it's it's. The fact that it was even, like, you would think that they try to find somebody, maybe in Japan, as a straw weight, uh, sorry, um, Adam weight, or uh, somebody in Japan, you know, who's at least got a record that's, like, has a win. When this fight happened, Alvaro's owned four, and now she's owned five. All of her, have, she has lost all of her fights by TKO, and none have gone in the second round. It's kind of like one of those fights that's, like, I'm trying, it's, um... I guess if you had to put it in a UFC perspective, it's kind of like when UFC booked TJ Dillashaw versus Joe Soto, and, uh, and that like very, very, very to the last minute, uh, bantamweight title match. Um, I think it was wasn't it supposed to be Dillashaw versus uh, Cruz, but I think that Soto replaced Cruz. I believe it was, and just like yeah, and I think so. But obviously, you have to kept in mind. Soto is a former champion, I think. Yeah, but the, in the end... I, uh, th no, that's, actually, let me go ahead and check, because, of course, I might be wrong, like a dummy. Or if you want to yeah, say... It's a former Tachi Palace fights and former Bellator champion. Okay, or here's a better example. CM Punk versus Nicky Gall. Oh, exactly. Or... Mike the Truth Jackson versus CM Punk. No. But at least they were on the same level skill wise, you could tell. Mm -hmm. But like Mickey Gall was maybe like three and four, two and zero, oh or something. Uh, uh, no, no, no. He was two and zero oh or three and zero oh in that fight, and he was he was found on a Dana White's Contender Series, so he was legit. And then you have him face you have him face CM Punk because. I have no idea why it was a, it's it's that's that's the level of that. Um, so yeah, it was an absolutely terrible fight to make in terms of just 
the skill level was was outweighed. Um, Christian, what was your worst fight for Ryzen in 2019? Well, I would agree with you and say that the Reyna Alexandria Rari Carlos fight was bad, considering the amount of time that it took for the worst fighter to ever step foot in a ring or case since Angela Pink, A N J E L A Pink. <laughs> I mean, for that to happen, it was just crazy. Because if you think about it, what the hell was Angel? What the hell was Alexandre Alvari Carlos in the ring for? And yeah, I would say that you know, I would say that Scoggins versus Ochi was bad, but that would basically be selling it short because of the fact that it ended in an accidental no contest. But I'm going to basically say that my worst fight of 2019 for the Rising Fighting Federation, it dates all the way back to the co-main event of Rising 15, and it was after Manny Pacquiao showed his face and basically said he was going to be an ambassador for the Rising Fighting Federation. That fight, <laughs> that fight is Fritz Alden, Kid Tornado, be at time, getting molly <laughs> by attention Asukawa. <laughs> and I mean, I understand. The dude's a youth pastor. He's really good with respecting people. He's really good with, obviously, combat sports, considering the fact of his combined record. And I think I've shown it to you beforehand. What his combined record is, uh, what his combined record is, but still, the dude, he just basically took an ass kicking just because. Yeah, um, and, and when I, when I was talking about like there not being like really bad fights, but kind of like fights that were there, that was actually yeah their first fight of that, of that year. Look at that card. Yeah, Kanaka Murata. Basically, uh, Maul, Sarai, Orozoko, uh, Cape, uh, 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 Cape, um, uh, Mauling, Ito, the Damian Brown, Takeda fight, where Takeda did nothing, the Watanabe, Haba fight, where basically nothing happened, the Mikuru Azakura, Luis Gustavo fight, which became a boring grappling match, the Reina fight, that, that card overall just had a lot of bad, or a lot of disappointing fights. I mean, you can even say that the Reina fight against Samantha Jones-Francois, which would have happened at Rising 14, but Reina couldn't make weight yeah. and was afraid to step on the scale. You could have said that fight was pretty bad. Yeah. Still, Fritz Alden Biotan was basically, in a way, he was sugar to absolute shit. I mean, he was hyped up basically with his combined fight record, and I'm trying my damnedest to, you know, search for what this man's record was. I mean, all I know is that he has, uh, what am I trying to say? I mean, his combined fight record was okay, but still, point of the matter, the dude basically got whooped so hard, he couldn't fight his way out of a damn paper bag. 
and I'm trying to, I mean, just give me a moment here. I'm trying to find this record, but the point of the matter is, Tension just whooped him. Basically, like he stole something. It was basically hard enough for me to get into that fight, you know, just for attention because obviously that ass whooping was just so, uh, it was just so crazy to me. I just don't think that he, I really did not think that, you know, that fight should have happened if quality of competition would have been a hell of a lot better than what was being advertised and it wasn't advertised with much, you know, respect. But the point of the matter is Ryzen should have just gave tension another opponent. I mean, especially considering the fact that, you know, that particular fighter didn't really come in with the best skill set available. Not a bad choice. Not a bad choice. No, and uh, by the way, his combined fight record, his combined record at the particular time, let's see, six Muay Thai wins, two boxing, 12 kickboxing, five in the main. <laughs> sorry. 17 shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm, I hate doing this shit on the fly. You know me. Mm. It's 25 and three, it was 25 and four. Fritz Alton Biotan's combined fight record was 25 and four across boxing, Muay Thai, MMA, and kickboxing. But he basically fought like he basically fought like he was a fucking nobody, really. He was a jobber in this case. Yep, yep, not a bad choice for a worse fight. Uh, and it's yeah, not because... And, and in a way, it really didn't help that he came out to something that would obviously be sung in a mega church. I mean, it was basically like a Christian being thrown to the lions, even though I really can't be saying that. God forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we got the bad out of the way. Now we can move on to the good. And the first thing yes. we're, we're going to go on to is the best walkout, best or best entrance of Ryzen Federation 2019. And before we get into that, we will have a drum roll. My pick for best walkout entrance of the year goes to Jake Kuhn for the Star-Lord entrance that he came out to at Ryzen 16 in his fight against Rocky Martinez. I thought it was just, first of all, uh, Come and Get Your Love is an, an amazing song. Um, him coming out the Star-Lord costume and acting like Star-Lord from the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, doing the exact dance that he had at the beginning of the movie uh, when that song plays, I thought was... Really awesome. And, yeah, it, I mean, the fight also happened to be great, but I just, I really, it, it was just, since I think also what happened was that nobody up until that time, up until that show, we really had any good entrances, but then he, but, you know, always, you know, always depend on Jay Kuhn to be entertaining inside and outside the ring. 
and he certainly certainly was in this case. I love I I just love I out of all the entrances that he did this year, it was my favorite. Uh, with that, Christian, I'm gonna throw it to you. Who was your fight? Your entrance walk out of the year. Well, I would say it would be a JQ entrance, but then again, I would be lying. I mean, yeah, I understand. JQ is a really cool dude. He respect. I mean, we respect him like crazy, so much to the point. But he is a cool dude to us. But I'm gonna have to call. I'm gonna have to basically say that my best entrance or entrances in this case is actually a three-way tie. Oh. Because if you think about it, you'll have to go right back to Ryzen 20 more recently, back on December 31st. And my actually, no, it will be a three-way tie because obviously Ryzen just brings out the best in fighters. So I'm going to just go ahead and say that my best entrances of 2019 all from the Ryzen 20 card were the Patricky Pitbull Fury entrance that he had before losing to Kofi Usaiev, mm-hmm. which was the Dragon Ball entrance team, Chala, and Chala. Jake Hume defeating Satoshi Ishii and then obviously making his entrance to Queens, another one by the dust with the Freddie Mercury get up. Mm-hmm. And Manel Kate defeating Kaya Sakura in the main event. But obviously coming out to see his money is power. Well, actually, Travis Scott, Sia, and I, I don't know who else, but still. Travis Scott, Ty Dolla Sign, and Sia, money is power. And he basically, he basically came out to the ring basically feeling like he was the champion. He was touching the belt and shit. He was basically playing around with the belt because he knew, I think it was destined for him on New Year's Eve for that night to be his night. Oh, it definitely was destiny for him. Those are all mm-hmm. amazing choices. And hopefully, you know, we got. hopefully there will see many more great entrances this year, I'm hoping. Um, you know, I, I know that the first show will be at the, uh, Hamamatsu Arena. You know, unfortunately, as their entrances get smaller, you know, as, when they, you know, when you do something at a smaller arena, not at the Saitama or, um, somewhere in Osaka, you know, it's going to be hard to do, like, a grander entrance, but I hope that doesn't discourage all these fighters from trying to, trying to think of something, you know, just trying to, you know, put a little bit of extra, uh, a little extra spice in their, in, in their entrance. I really hope that they, uh, Hope that, hope we get some some something memorable at at the Rise of Twenty One show in a few more weeks. Um, exactly. And speaking of which, we're gonna have to talk about that show the next time we hear from you guys. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I definitely can't wait to talk about that show. Uh, but the next thing we're gonna talk about is the best knockout of the year. Uh, for Ryzen. Oh, oh, oh. You know what? I, I know that you want to go first, but let me go first. Sure. Because I think I know who the best knockout 
belongs to. I'm gonna first give you a drum roll, Christian. I'm gonna give you a drum roll. My best knockout of 2019, even though it may have shot some people when it happened, was at Ryzen 18 when Kai Asakura shocked the world against Kyoji Horiguchi. And yeah, it was a bit unexpected because everybody was expecting Kyoji Horiguchi to beat Asakura, but I mean, even us, really. But when we seen that happen, we were all stunned, especially considering the fact that the fight ended in 67 seconds. But we were all stunned because, in a way, Kiyoshi has never been brutalized like that before, or probably since. I mean, yeah, he did lose to he did lose via submission to Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson with the UFC title on the line. But that loss, which was obviously four years beforehand, obviously four years and three months since then, it felt like it was a distant memory. And I mean, yeah, he also lost to Masakasu Ueda and Shudo, but still, that loss, that KO that Kai Asakura gave to Kyoji Horiguchi, even though it didn't really translate into anything because he did lose to Manel Cape at Ryzen 20, that loss sent shockwaves throughout the fight world because now when Kyoji Horiguchi gets re when Kyoji Horiguchi comes back into competition later this year, I mean, yeah. Rising, I mean, Bellator is going to probably give him a Bantamweight title opportunity right off the bat. Maybe Rising will as well. But I won't be surprised if one of Kyoji's first fights back is against Kyle Sakura because, in a way, it will be for him a nice way to get back on top and a way to try and extract revenge against the guy who not only got the better of him, but basically embarrassed him and snapped probably one of the lengthiest winning streaks in all of combat sports. I, you know, guess what? That's the exact same one I chose. Kaizakura, knocking out Kyoji Horiguchi. Uh, the punch heard around the world that wasn't uh, Andrew Ruiz knocking out Joshua. Um, totally unexpected. Um, simply because I... If you, I was not, nobody expected Horiguchi to get dominated that way and in such a quick fashion. And also, it sucked because it was not for the title. Should have been for the title and could have been, it, it would have made things a lot more, I think, smoother. But, you know, I think you basically summed up everything that I, how I felt about that knockout. Um, yeah, just like such an incredible knockout. Just the way it happened, the fashion it happened, the amount of seconds it happened. Also happened in his uh, in um in uh Azakura's hometown of Aichi. So you know, hey, you get you get a get a win in front of the hometown crowd that always pops. Um, well, actually, his hometown specifically is Nagoya, Aichi, Japan. Ah, whatever. Same same area. Close enough. Close enough. Same area. He, he probably had family <laughs> there. Um, yeah, it was just a you know, it it, it it's one it, it it's one of those once in a knock once it, it's. As an MMA fan, it was something I never expected to see happen. 
And just like it, it was an incredible experience to see you live, to see you live on tel uh, on Fight TV. With that, we're going to move on to the next one, and uh, I I'll give you, I'll let you also do this one as well, Christian. First, best submission of the year, and I'm gonna give you a drum roll. So, ready? Here we go. Quite honest, there were a lot of star making performances in 2019 for Ryzen, but the one that was probably the biggest star maker of them all was the submission victory at Ryzen 15 in April of 2019, where Kanako Murata submitted Sare Orozco via Von Fluchoke two minutes and 12 seconds into round number two. Now, if it wasn't for Kanako getting that win over Orozco, I mean, who's to say that she would have probably never gotten into Invicta and dominated the competition in the way that she did, all while rocking a Saku mask and orange tights just like he did, and winning the Invicta lightweight title. I mean, <clears throat> this woman is incredible, and it's crazy to me no, and actually, she's the current Invictus Strawweight Champion. My apologies. But the point of the matter is, if it wasn't for that submission victory she had against Saray Orozco, she wouldn't be the star she is now, or she wouldn't be the Invictus Strawweight Champion. And hopefully, I hope she doesn't go to the UFC, because if anything, the last thing I would want to see is another fighter from Ryzen who made a name elsewhere, gets sucked up by the Zupa machine. I hope that when Marata ends up fighting, I mean, I hope that when Marata ends up coming back to Ryzen, which hopefully will be soon, maybe if Ryzen doesn't interfere with a Invicta title defense, hopefully Marata will come back stronger. But yeah, if it wasn't for the Orozco win at Ryzen 15, who knows if she would have even gotten to the Invicta Strongweight title. That's a good choice. You know, I, I think a lot of people forgot it because it was on a card where there wasn't a lot of exciting finishes uh, uh, on that show specifically. Uh, but who doesn't love a Von Fruchoke or a Von Pruchoke, um, as some people call it now. Um, mm -hmm. But my choice, man, it was, it, you know, the, there weren't a lot of overall submission wins this year. But the ones that were, were incredible. But I had to think of, you know, you had, like, that one you brought up. You had also uh, uh, Cape uh, uh, tapping out um, Nakamura, I believe it was. I think that mm -hmm. was. Uh, uh, with, like, the half rear naked choke or blood choke, whatever it was. And then you had the reverse triangle by, by Victor Henry on Trent Gurdum after basically losing the first two rounds. But, uh, you know... While those were impressive, to me, it's much more impressive when somebody comes in and submits someone in the first round who has not been submitted in since I was I think the, I think it's been since 20, 2011. and that was when Patrick Patchy Mix submitted mm -hmm. Yuki Matoya Rising Twenty by Guillotine Choke in the first round. I picked Mix to win. If you think about it, 
how about Patrick Meeks? I mean, the dude basically says he's doing this for his daughter. He's representing Western New York well. I mean, do you think that if he ends up getting booked for a few more Ryzen fights, that his star might be, you know, shining on both sides Abs- of the Pacific? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. He Bellator needs to keep him. Bell, uh, Ryzen needs to use him for... For bandweight fights, if they plan to do a bandweight tournament this year, which it looks like they might, definitely do it this year. Um, the fact that he submitted a guy who has not been submitted since 2011, uh, and who is also an expert when it comes to chokes, is it, I I thought that Patrick Mix was going to win, but I thought I figured it'd go all three rounds. As soon as it went to the ground, Mex was the guy who who you could see was the better ground guy and yeah it was it's a it, it was just an amazing it was like he came he came in the win yeah he, he said you know he's talking to camera i'm fighting for my daughter i'm fighting for my daughter and you know what he fucking fought for his daughter and he did he did it in one minute or well, bar- barely a minute and a half and here's the thing as well the fact that i always like to see when people get angry when someone wins, and when 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 Mix won, there were people legitimately on the on the JMA social media sphere who were angry that he beat Matoya. And oh, are you kidding me? No, really? it always happens. It always happens. It's the same thing. Of, you know, there are people who don't who pretend that Bader didn't beat Fedor. Um, which, there's there's just people like that. There's always gonna be there's always gonna be weirdos like that. But nonetheless. Mix the way that he defeated Matoya was it was was it the most impressive submission? No, but the statement that it made and to who it was, I think, is much more important than the execution of what happened. If that makes sense. Um, m- moving on, we are going to move on to the best female fighter of the year, uh, and. Give me a second for our drum roll. My pick, best female fight of the year. It was a it was a tough one, but it came down to basically becoming undefeated in Ryzen this year, and she's a co-promotional champion now. Korea's Seo Hee-ham, who is now the Ryzen Atomweight champion. Super Adamway champion after defeating uh, Ayaka Hamazaki. Uh, she went undefeated. Hamazaki uh, went undefeated this year with some devastating wins. Um, I mean, she came. Cl- the fight that she did have with Hamazaki was very close. I did rewatch it again, and I did think Ham won it on a second rewatch. Uh, but besides that, uh, she is also still she the. Knocked out three. Well, actually, she knocked out two champions, obviously, in Deep Jewels Strawweight. I mean, Deep Jewels Animeweight Champion Toa Maezawa and Ayaka Hamasaki finally getting over the hump with her, as well as defeating Yu Yamamoto. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, she has been undefeated since 2017. Uh, still the Road SC Animeweight Champion, I've got to say. But, yeah. She came into Ryzen. I thought she was there to basically lose to Hamazaki just to have a challenger there. But no, she she legitimately looked ve- she looked incredible against Ham- Hamazaki. Even though it was a close fight, 
she she came in there to win and she looked great. Um, I I have not nobody this year has been that dominant, uh, in the Ryzen ring and I look forward. You know, it was you know probably the best thing to happen because now you can do matches with her against Reina. You could do a rematch with Hamazaki at some point. Um, Miyu, if Miyu gets a few wins, I think there's a lot more you can do with Ham as champion at this point. But for me right now, she is the 2019 Female Fire of the Year. And Christian, who is your Female Fire of the Year? I would have to agree with you on COP Ham, but also considering the fact that, well, my opinion's a little bit different than yours. I would have to say it's a tie with the woman that she beat at Rise in 20, Ayaka Hamasaki, because obviously, ever since dropping to the Rise and Fighting Federation after dropping out of Invicta, up until the Rise in 20 bout that she had against COP Han, which was their third fight against one another, she was pretty much dominant in the Rise and Fighting Federation. I mean, obviously, she was dominant. She was 5-0 and in the Rising Fighting Federation up until the loss to C.O.P. Um, with victories over Jin Yu Frey and Suanon, F. Suanon, Boone, someone, the submission victory over her. And obviously, before then, submission victories over Kana Asakura and Mino Kurobe and defeating the list to Tiny Tim Garcia in a valiant effort. But still... I wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing a fourth fight between Hamasaki and Ham. Yeah, I definitely think that's definitely, if Ham is still champion, that's definitely, you you make maybe a New Year's Eve rematch or something, or Hamasaki. No, 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 I'm not saying, you know, if it becomes, I mean, if it becomes for the Rising title, I'm saying if it's for both titles. Oh. Rising and Road FC. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay, yeah, no, that, that makes sense, that makes sense. Um, yeah, listen, you know, Hamazaki, you know, even with one loss, and again, it was a loss that was a very close decision loss. Listen, she still looked great in the fight, um, and, and she dominated every other fight that she had in Ryzen uh, that year. And, and yeah, so having her as champion, you know, or having her as a choice for female five years, not a bad choice at all. Um, moving on, though, we're going to move on to the best male fighter of the year in Ryzen. And I feel like we might have the same choice for this, Christian. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm going to give you the opportunity to uh, to sound off first after the drum roll. Well, it's pretty obvious this man has had a breakout role in 2019, even being to some a pain in the ass to many. My 2019 fighter of the year is none other than the star boy, El Protegeo. Hashtag easy fucking money, man, El Cape. <laughs> and I mean, if you think about it, if you look at what man, El Cape has been managing to do over the last 12 months or so, I mean, <laughs> the dude has only been in the Rise and Fight Federation for at least three years now. I mean, the dude's basically been making his name off Ryzen ever since he stepped foot in the ring and knocked 
bursting Yamamoto's head off of his shoulders with that kick. But despite the fact that he's 6-3 in the Rising Fighting Federation, it's the fact that he's had a stellar 2019 with all three of his wins via knockout to Ichiro Ito, Takeo Mizugaki, and Kai Asakura to become the Rising Bantamweight champion. I think this dude is not one to be fucked with. And I think that when it comes down to him, he's going to be a dominant champion because he's going to be one of those fighters, considering the fact that all of his rising wins are caused via knockout, I think he's going to be one of those fighters that's going to be a tough test for anybody to match up against. Yeah. Guess what? My choice as well. Um, winning the title cemented uh, the Bamboo title uh, last year cemented just how how great of a fighter is here. And, you know, uh, I think he's the type of personality that you just kind of need in MMA. Um, it's, you know, it's all cool to be all about respect and everything, all that stuff. But you need that one shit talker, that one guy who gets under your skin, who you either want to see him win because he's the bad boy or you want to see him lose because he's the bad boy. And that's what Manel Cape has. Uh, and he does it so well. You know, he knows how to get on people's skin, and he knows how to, you know, how to also be a baby face as well. You know, basically his, you know, his entire entire story of coming from, you know, a family in Angola, his uh, his mother dying earlier this year, uh, and in in helping, you know, you know, clearly, you know, I think he basically take care takes care of of either his his he solely keeps taking care of his family or his extended family or something along those lines. I totally forgot. Um, but yeah, he, he is an incredibly inspiring story coming from Angola. Listen, you know, hop, MMA exactly a hotbed there, let's be honest, and making a name for himself outside. I'm pretty sure that a lot of people wanted Kai as a crew to win, and maybe one day he will win. But you know, him, Cape winning, now you have a potential, you know, the potential rematch with him against Horiguchi if you want to do it. A rematch against Azakura, third match. Um, the Ogikubo match. Um, if Ogikubo is gonna will be uh, ready by the time uh, they want to fight, you got a lot more to do with Cape, I think. And yeah, he's a guy who you can build a promotion around, in my opinion. He's the closest thing to a to a, I'm gonna use the C word, a Connor that Ryzen has, and they should. Oh, a- most definitely. And they should absolutely do their best to keep him because if they don't. Bellator or Ryzen is going to be, oh, not Ryzen, well, UFC. Well, be will be calling, especially the UFC. And with that, uh, Christian, we're going to move on to our co-main event category, which was our fight of the year. Uh, I'm going to give you a drum roll before you sound off. Here we go. I wouldn't say I got nothing, but I'd be bullshit. <laughs> Still, I think my fight of the year, my fight of the year, I mean, it doesn't have to be a decision. Uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be a decision, a submission, or a knockout. It could just be simply a fight of the year. But my fight of the year is pretty heavy. 
my five of the year goes all the way back to Ryzen 16. JQ, Rocky Martinez beating the hell out of each other in a dog fight. It was a split decision win on JQ's behalf, defeating Rocky Martinez. And I really think that JQ has done a hell of a lot for himself, aside from the flashy entrances. He's made a name for himself, you know, by just being one of these energetic fighters, making a name, well, energetic fighters, you know, backing up his bark with his bite. And I think in that three-round war that he had with Rocky Martinez, he really showed that durability to go three rounds with somebody that's a little heavier than he is. But I do think that when it comes to JQ, we should expect to see more from him in 2020, especially considering the fact that he's, well, aside from the Fury Prohaska fight that he had, he's pretty much undefeated in the promotion. But I do think that if he does get that light heavyweight title opportunity for Simon Beyond or anybody that rises in form, you know, the sky can only be the limit for JQ as long as they keep him on the contract. Yeah, uh, that's a good choice for a fight because I remember that being like the really the first good fight or like the best fight that happened in Ryzen of last year. Because like I said, mentioned before, a lot of really so-so, boring, just, yeah, milk toast fights. And that was one that where, yeah, where they just, that was a classic pride heavyweight fight where they, they just beat the shit out of each other for uh, all three rounds. Um, or in a way... You know, considering the fact that Rocky is the deep megaton champion, it was a battle of classic units. Just basically running until the gears fall off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my my uh, my uh, choice, though, is actually uh, on the opposite end of the weight spectrum. And that would be Hiramasa Ogikubo versus Shintiro Ishiwatari from Ryzen 20. Uh, which was a, uh, advertised as a number one contenders fight. And my God, this fight was fucking incredible. I mean, Ogikubo had, 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 had two basically five of the years, uh, with that and the Motoya fight. But this one to me was a lot closer, a lot more, uh, a lot more, you know, nail buying because I felt I think that that Okubo successfully won that the Matoya fight with the third round takedown. But the second, but the third round, this one was them just uh, Ishitari and uh, Okubo just them walloping each other, walloping, walloping it was a phone booth fight as, as they call it. And the crowd was getting excited. It was you know um, the quote the voices of wrestling. I was pacing in my den. That's how awesome this was. This fight was. It was incredible. Just. That is the type of fight that, you know, when people say, oh, you know, that the uh, smaller weight classes don't have exciting fights, you show them that fight, and then hopefully they'll, they'll not, uh, they'll, they won't believe such, such nonsense. Um, and it resulted in a split decision win for Hiramasa Ogikupo, but nonetheless still a, a very close win, and also Ishitari broke his hand in that match, because, oh god, they were punching each other so much, just punching and punching and punching, it was... An absolutely brutal, beautiful display of spectacle. Any thoughts on that fight, Christian? 
I mean, I can't agree. I mean, I can't disagree with you more when it comes down to that fight. It was it was pretty crazy to see, especially when it comes to rising respect in their bantamweight division. That was crazy. I mean, that was a crazy fight, but I can definitely see more of Hiromaso Yukubo wanting to be a serious contender in rising because, of course, as we've known previously, fighting is all bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and right now, as of now, the Hiromasa Oikubo story uh, is the Cinderella story for Ryzen right now. And I am on that 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 train right now. I'm happy to ride that train. And mm-hmm. our final award, um, you know, I don't think this will be... This, this is the probably the easiest one to choose, and but we still got to do it anyway. Best Ryzen show of the year. And I'm going to give you a drum roll, Christian, and then say your piece. Well, I would say that my best Ryzen, that my choice for the best Ryzen show of the year would be Ryzen 20, but that wouldn't be too obvious because that is too recent. As it was just like two months ago. (laughs) But... My best rising card of 2019 happened to be in the year, in the summer, August. It was rising 18 in Nagoya, where the unthinkable happened. Kaya Sakura knocking out Kyoji Noriguchi, but in addition to that, you had Ayaka Hamasaki stopping the surgeon Amp Suwanan Boomsorn, aka Amp the Pocket Rocket. Before then, you had dominant performances by Victor Henry, Manuel Cave, Kanaz Bakura, the no contest with Haro Ochi and Jared Monkey God Brooks. Justin Tank Scoggins getting the Justin Tank Scoggins finally getting a victory for once. And then, of course, you had the controversial decision between Aishimizu and Tabitha Backdoor Watkins. And the even more controversial decision of Takana Asakura and Talisha Tabitha But still, all in all, this was a pretty interesting fight card. And to be quite honest, I wouldn't mind seeing more interesting fight cards like these, even though the only disappointment I had was not seeing Danilo's at was not seeing John Park get that 100 victory in Japan. That was pretty sad for me because even though yeah, the most I mean even though yeah, Nagoya has the most population of Japanese people outside of Brazil, and Danilo's employee was basically the main poster child for that fight. Well, actually, the main poster child for the events on that card, but I just wish the JWP, the gunslinger, would have gotten that 100 win. That was just, it was just crazy. But still, that fight card was just simply phenomenal, especially in the last four fights. Not a bad choice. Not a bad choice. That was a very underrated card. Um, but unfortunately, I'm going to be cliched. And go up the show that everybody said was great, and that's Rising Twenty. 
Um, so many cool, great finishes. There's, in my opinion, there was not one bad fight on this card. Um, and you had the the uh, the Light Lake Grand Prix matches that when they first start uh, when you had the semifinals and they ended it in the first round, and then you had that incredible fight between Patricky and uh, and Tofik with Tofik becoming the the uh, the Azerbaijani representative of uh, of MMA uh, with his win, and then Jiri Merking Dalway. We got to see what Bianca. Uh, what Beyond, Simon Beyond brought to the ring, defeating uh, Vitaly Shemitov. Uh, Ogi Kubo, sorry, by the year. Uh, the mixed uh, submission of Motoya. And then Nasakawa sending uh, Rui Bata into another uh, stratosphere. And then... Into the Shadow Realm. Yeah, so. Shadow Realm. And then the Cape uh, uh, defeating Azakura to become that, that, that Bantamweight champion. I, and I thought that the flow of the card was great. Uh, the intermissions were not terrible, uh, but I think over, it was the perfect, the perfect package of an MMA show. You had some kickboxing, you had some tournaments, and you had some title matches, and then you had so, you had some uh, maybe I don't know the closest thing to a freak show match, Hyun Ishi, I guess you could say. But well, I if. <laughs> If you wanted to show, if I wanted to show somebody what Ryzen is all about, that would be the show I would I would immediately put on Ryzen twenty, uh, from the Super, Saitama Super Arena New Year's Eve, um, yeah, um, it, it was uh, any I, I know you said it's uh, you, you didn't want to pick it because it'd be shape Christian, but any thoughts on that show as well? I thought it was a great card, especially considering the fact that you had. Mostly finishes on the card, and I think six of the ten of those finishes ended in the first two rounds. Exactly. Um, with that, Christian, I'm we're going to move on uh, to the last subject of our of the podcast, the Ryzen resolutions. Um, three things, uh, choosing three things we want Ryzen to do or not do. In the in the year of 2020, uh, whether you know whether it be a, have a fight or uh, book a specific fight or a science specific fighter or whatever, uh, but three things Ryzen should or shouldn't do. I'm going to pass it on to. Do you have your choices by any chance? If not, I will I will go I will do mine and then we can go on to you. What works best? I see. Well. Considering the fact that it's getting closer and closer to the date, I don't think that a 20th anniversary show for one Lenny Hart, the screaming voice of Pride, Dream, and Rising, I don't think that would be possible considering the fact that considering the fact that her 20th anniversary in the fight game is getting near, and I don't think that she would get the chance to celebrate that opportunity. So, yeah, that's officially scrapped. Sorry, Miss Hart. Mm. But my three resolutions, my three resolutions for rising in 2020 would be to make the light heavyweight division, and maybe, no, wait, actually, Make the light heavyweight division mean something. Because, of course, with Jerry gone, you're going to have 
a few more contenders. I mean, actually, you're going to have fair space aside from JQ and Simon Beyond and Vitaly Shimatov, CB Dalloway, and maybe Ivan Chertikov. But aside from those five, you really got nothing. So you're going to have to fill that division, probably get help from Rise. I mean, probably get help from Bellator and maybe their formerly outsourced partners with the exception of Bama, because, of course, Bama's dead. <laughs> Second, I have to think that a women's... I mean, they need to focus on the upper classes, the upper weight classes in the women. And not just King Reina fighting trash cans, like how she's doing in Deep Jewels right now, but basically, they need to do women's openweight Grand Prix and have Gabby Garcia just dominate everybody. <sighs> I mean, even though it might be to the freak show masses, I would love to see Gabby finally get rewarded for what she's done in her MMA career so far. And three, as it's obvious, I think that Ryzen needs to do more when it comes down to event distribution in North America, in this continent, because, yeah, we all know, Asia's their home base. Japan is their home country. They're going to do more things for Fuji TV than anything else, because, of course, if it ain't what Fuji TV wants, they're not going to get it. <laughs> and like our friend Joseph Mato said, whatever Fuji TV wants, Fuji TV gets. But I think Ryzen needs to think more about the North American market. Because if you reach out to the North American market, guess what? I mean, especially in New York, with those big-ass billboards in Times Square, you're going to get shown to the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that if, if Ryzen plays their cards right with Scott Coker, even though... It might mess up a few things. It might ruffle a few feathers with Viacom and CBS. You know, if he plays his cards right with Scott Coker, Ryzen might see something good happen with this market that we live in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what are your three resolutions? Ah, I'm, I'm going to keep it, uh, as I say, kiss. I'm going to keep it uh, short and simple. Uh, one... I want. I agree. You know, it'd be cool to see a a, a woman's open weight thing, uh, with Gabby Garcia. However, for that, I want to see Gabby Garcia versus. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. I'm laughing because you're gonna because you're gonna hate me. Gabby Garcia versus Shinobu Kandori. I want that fight oh, finally booked. God, why? I want that fight finally booked. That fight is still is. Gabby Kandori wants that fight. I think that every year they should they should have done something where Gabby where they have get Kandori confront Gabby. I I want to see that fight. That's a fight I want to see. And listen, it's gonna get people talking. It's gonna get people watching. People are gonna it's gonna it's gonna be a car crash that you can't that you can't turn away from. I and and then I can understand that, and I hate to interrupt again, even though it's my team. I mean, I can understand that, but Shinobu Kandori is fifty. 54 fucking years old. Have it be, have it be a, a, a qualifying match for the Women's Open Weight uh, tournament. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, but in all seriousness, my second one is much more serious. Um, my second one is you got intermissions. Either you know, shorten them, shorten them, shorten them, shorten them, or cut fights or start your shows later. I have no idea which one, but shorten them. I never want to have to deal ever again with what happened at Ryzen 19. If that happens again, I'm going to get very angry, and Ryzen will lose fans. I already talked to fans who say they can't watch, don't watch Ryzen anymore because of the intermissions. Okay, they do not provide any positive. They are only a negative. If you want to have an intermission, one intermission for the 30 minutes, fine, whatever. I don't give a shit. If you want have to do something like that, fine. Because, uh, you know, you got, maybe you want to clean the ring or something, you know, if there's blood or something. I don't know. Whatever. Fine. Go ahead. I'm fine with that. But never again, 179 minute intermission. Uh, total runtime. Ever again. Never. So stupid. Absolutely so fucking stupid. And third, this is going to sound very strange, but I think... Ryzen could benefit a lot if they sign this fighter. Ryzen should absolutely do their darndest to sign Gordon Ryan. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu grappler wizard Gordon Ryan. And why do I say this? Because every major MMA promotion has a Jiu-Jitsu guy. UFC had, took Crone uh, Gracie from Ryzen. They also have Ryan Hall. Uh, and Walken uh, um, uh, Giles, uh, uh, Gilbert Burns, and a, few, and a few others. One has Gary Tonin. Bellator has AG, uh, AJ a a Asgaram, or however you pronounce his last name. Agazarm. And Dylan Dennis. And also uh, one, uh, the Gracies. A bunch of the Gracies. Now, to be clear, are you only saying this because he's from your neck of the woods, albeit from Monroe Township, New Jersey, or are you saying this because he is a grappling wizard? Grappling wizard. I'm not from I'm not from New Jersey, John Christian. I'm, I've never been no, from New Jersey. Uh, New York. New York. Of course, you don't care about those people from the swamp. Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. I mean, Ryzen has the uh, the Souza brothers, um, but. And there's rumors that apparently uh, that uh, Satoshi is going to have a grappling match at the next Ryzen show. Uh, but let's be honest. Gordon Ryan is the most well-known out of all the uh, grappling ADCC ch champions in recent, in recent memory. Um, if you sign him, whether it be to an MMA or a grappling contest, you know, let's be honest. I think he's going to go to MMA at some point. Um, it would just be such a huge coup. I, I, that's the one, other than a former UFC champion like a John Jones, Daniel Cormier, or someone uh, of such note, or, or if you want to like, I don't know, just even like going off like CM Punk even, I think that Gordon Ryan could be the biggest, most news, publicity stirring signing you can possibly have, and I, I think that his 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 grappling career is winding down. He did it. He did a fake, uh, I'm retiring thing, which usually you know I don't know if that's his way of trying to get more money or whatever, or just saying that you know hey you know what I will be considering it seriously in the future. But I think signing him would 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 bring 
much benefit to Ryzen um, uh, to people who are not familiar with the promotion. Or, and I, I only see pauses for it. Uh, I don't know what the weight division he would be in if he were to do MMA. Um, he's competed at 99 kilograms, which I'm trying to remember my, my, I'm trying, oh God, um, I'm trying to do my, uh, that is about 200, uh, 218, so maybe 205, maybe middle, I, I don't know, perhaps middleweight, I don't know, but he can certainly do light heavyweight, um, yeah, I definitely think they should try to get him. They actually, absolutely, should try to uh, to get him. Actually, he's competed as lower. You know what? You know what? Come to think of it, you you're kind of right. But I think that uh, what am I trying to say? I don't think that it would be wise for them to book him in a fight against Roberto Satoshi de Sosa. Maybe. Against Marco Shoshio this also. I have they have they had have they had a match before? I feel like they've had a they've yes, had a. Yes, they have. It was at Quintet Three. He fought both the Souza brothers on the same night. Yeah, yeah. Listen, that'd be cool, you know, uh, having an MMA match, uh, with uh one of the Souza brothers. Um, and by the way, he's competed as low as eighty-eight kilograms, so that's about one hundred and ninety pounds. So he could definitely make middleweight. Heck, he could even, if you I don't know I don't know if he maybe he could even make uh, welterweight. I don't know, maybe that's a little bit of a stretch, but nonetheless, we you at least know middleweight, light heavyweight is what he can do. Hey, listen, if you need people for your light heavyweight division, maybe you got uh, you got uh, Gordon Ryan there. Who knows? Mm. Right, right. But uh, still, man. I think we breathed through the entirety of this podcast, haven't we? Absolutely, absolutely, Christian. Uh, with that, I'm going to pass on the the uh, social media to you. With that, go on. Okay, already we uh, we already gave you our respective Twitter handles. Again, I am on Twitter at ChrisGary92. He is on Twitter. E.B. and Andrew Benjamin is on Twitter at A. Benjamin. Our show page is at We Are Rising Pod, W-E-A-R-E-R-I-C-I-N. P-O-D, all in one word. If you want to check out the show, you can check us out on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube. And I keep saying this, even though I hope it'll be true this year, but hopefully soon, we'll be on your favorite podcast provider of choice. And I'm trying my damnedest to get Andrew to put this damn podcast on Podbean so that we can be provided to all podcast providers of choice. <laughs> but still, if you want to check out other features, you can check out the MMA Opinion on Facebook. They are the best damn fight blog, period, in my opinion. Facebook.com slash DMMA Opinion. Check out Focus Fights. We cover prospects from all over the world. Scenes of the U.S., U.K., Russia, Canada, China. Signs the coronavirus. No disrespect. And Japan, of course, will be emphasized. You can follow us on all forms of social media. 
on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Focus Fights is available at Focus Fights. F-O-C-U-S-F-I-G-H-T-S. The YouTube, we're still working on that. You can just search up for us on Focus Fights. No, you can just search up on YouTube or Google Focus Fights, and it'll be right there. But we're still trying to get a damn URL for that. <laughs> and obviously, if you want to... I mean, kind of think of it. I keep giving out all these damn plugs. Don't you have any plugs to give out, Andrew? Um, no, no, you basically, you know, We Are Rising Pod, as you said, uh, on the official We Are Rising Podcast Twitter. Uh, you're, you got your Focus Fights at Focus Fights and your own at Jake, uh, at Chris Gary, uh, 92. You got my, my personal one at Avenger1. Uh, the YouTube channel, We Are Rising Podcast. Listen to us on SoundCloud and Stitcher. Trying to get on Podbean, as you said, and uh, whatever the iTunes is called. I have no idea what it's called at this point. Apple Music or whatever. It's called Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, maybe having a Twitch soon for some live uh, live watching of the Ryzen shows. Who knows? 2020 will be... Yeah, of course. And also, one more thing. If you want to follow Fight TV, you can follow them on all forms of social media. At Fight TV, that's F-I-T-E dot TV. Hashtag fight like you mean it. And if you want to follow the Rise and Fighting Federation on all forms of social media, they are on Twitter. At Ryzen underscore PR in Japanese. Or at Ryzen underscore English. And obviously, English for the international viewers. They are also on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Rise and Fighting Federation on Instagram. Instagram.com at Rise and Fighting Federation. And they are on YouTube as well. Just search Rise Fighting Federation. But other than that, it's been fun talking with you. I'm pretty sure it's been fun doing this podcast, even though now I feel out of breath. But before I go, we want to thank you for listening to us. We thank you for being a part of Fan Nation. We're glad you're listening to us on the We Are Rising Pod. That's our next. The next time you'll hear from us will probably be for the Rising 21 review, which, of course, that card is going to take place February 22nd from the Hamamatsu Arena in Hamamatsu, Shizuoka, Japan, and hopefully, hopefully, we'll be live on the Fight TV app and Fight.tv. But other than that, we're about to go ahead and head up out of here. But before we do, I think the legendary Scream Queen, Lenny Hutt, has a little something that she would like to say. that we out this mug talk to y'all later peace